Welcome to The Wrong Side of the Maelstrom, a Toronto-based Warhammer 40,000 podcast. My name's Ian, my co-host Jason will be joining me shortly, just as soon as he's uh, done touring the orbital defenses. This is episode 25, and tonight we will be focusing on Planet Strike. We start off with news from the front, discussing some games we've been playing and what we've been up to. Then uh, we have a discussion question about uh, gaming etiquette and when it's appropriate to correct your opponent's tactics and uh, blunders. Then we have our main topic, going in-depth looking at the Planet Strike game type and specifically the Planetfall mission. And uh, we wrap up the show with some Beyond the Rim. Be sure to check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash wrongsideofthemaelstrom. If you wish to contact us via email, we can be reached at wrongsideofthemaelstrom at gmail.com. And finally, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please enjoy tonight's episode, and we'll see you on the wrong side of the maelstrom. Pump Jay, we got a great episode tonight. It's been months since we recorded. A month, yeah. But you know, we're getting it in. We're yeah. not skipping. We're not. Yeah, uh... yeah. we're we're like real podcasters. <laughs> it's like we play Warhammer and roll dice and all that, right? Fun yeah, jazz. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, so news from the front is our first section where we talk about what we've been up to, mostly games played, less hobbying and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But you did say you want to talk about a bit of hobby. Do you want to start with that then? Um, yeah. Well, I mean. We're going to talk about uh, the ICI, the Ian Clough Invitational, yeah. and we, we did say that we were going to cut back on the hobby progress unless it was related to something that we were doing. Right. So I kind of got on the paint train a little bit, mm-hmm. and I, I bought a can of the, um, the Lead Belcher Game Workshop yeah. spray, and I primed like every mm-hmm. granite model that I had just to like get my button gear with like getting yeah. paint on the model. Yeah. And now I don't have any gray models on the table. I just have silver, silver models yeah. on the table, but um, it definitely it's, it adds to the feeling yeah. of not having the gray models. No, I know what you mean. I used to make a habit of always making sure my guys had like a base coat of red on them. And yeah. Just even that little bit, is, it makes a huge it difference. It doesn't make certain models stand out as much. Yeah, it's just like, oh, you know, they're in progress. Yeah. The army yeah. feels more cohesive. Yeah. So it's um, definitely a big deal. Even if it is just like a fairly small step, it's an important one. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but I kind of, after the, the ICI, mm-hmm. um, I kind of took a break. I was like, well, okay, I'm going to move on from my Grey Knights and I'm going to start playing, I want to start building my Talmor. Yep. So I'm going to start painting my Talmor. And uh, so I started working on my Crute. Nice. Yeah. Kind of cool. Started basing. I showed you one today. I'm yeah. doing like a long grass type thing. Yeah. It's very tall. Very yeah. like reeds. Yeah. It's a little hard to work with, but uh, mm-hmm. I think it looks pretty cool. Yeah, you texted me saying you were going to shoot yourself. You didn't get some super glue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. Uh, I've just been plugging away at the Black Legion. Been working on a big chunk of 20 guys, mm-hmm. Black Legionnaires, as I'm calling them. And they're almost done. And I think they're coming along great. I'm kind of learning mistakes I'm making on the way, like different, I should like redo the order in which I paint them. Like I should do the metal first, then clean up with black, and mm-hmm. then start dry brushing the black up. Yeah. 
So unfortunately, I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. So there's a few spots you can tell where I've tried to fix it with um, Eschen Gray after I dry brushed it. But it's these are line troops. I'm not too worried. Yeah. And overall, they're coming out really well. At first, they were a little too dark, but then I did like the horns and the skulls and any bone. Yeah. And it really made them pop as a unit. So I'm really excited. I'll post up some pictures once they're done. Awesome. Yeah. So um, um, I know you want to talk about this because it just came out today. Oh, but uh, <laughs> chapter approved just came out. Yeah, so chapter approved 2017 just dropped, like literally 10 hours ago or mm-hmm. something. So we haven't had a chance to go through it in depth. I was reading it a fair amount while you were playing uh, Jeff today, but yeah, there's also a lot of other podcasts and reviewers out there where you can find like nice in-depth reviews on yeah. everything that's in there. But uh, lots of, I think overall it's good few things I would have liked to have seen more in depth. Like there's no, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm kind of just going to flip it open because I got it right here. But it's got lots of cool new Planet Strike stuff that we're going to talk about later. Yeah, because we did, uh, our main topic for today is Planet Strike. And um, there's a bunch of new stratagems. Before there was just two stratagems for each, um, for the attacker and the defender. And yeah. now I think there's six yeah, for each. So uh, there's a lot more for us to talk about there, and that's cool yeah. that it came out today, and we just, uh, I actually got both of my Planet Strike games in today. So it was yeah. cool that I got to actually try out and use most of those. Yeah, so uh, one thing I was really excited for was Apocalypse, which is in the new uh, book. And there's, uh, apo- you know, like Apocalypse missions, how to run Apocalypse, but there's no stratagems, which I was kind of disappointed for. Okay. I guess kind of you would need a large section, like a whole book to put in all the army specific stratagems. Yeah. But that was kind of disappointing. I was liking to see them, but uh, I know the narrative NGC 40 K, I think narrative gaming club 40 K is what it's saying. Anyways, mm-hmm. they're another podcast. They have started making apocalypse stratagems. So uh-huh. cool. Check them out on Facebook and check out their website. I was looking through them. They look pretty good. You actually texted me them a few weeks ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, Oh yeah. yeah those like, yeah. Uh, Test uh, APOC rules. Yeah. yeah. So they, they run huge, awesome APOC games. Mm-hmm. So uh, definitely check them out. And I'm probably going to write some stratagems myself. But Sweet. Apocalypse rules were a little light. Uh, vehicle design rules. It's actually just Land Raider design rules. And it's kind of light as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mainly for open play though, right? Yeah. But... I guess you can use it for narrative as well. Yeah. I was... Yeah. Because they have... Um, power levels mm-hmm. for all of them. But I was really looking for something a little more in-depth. I really want to make a Chaos Land Raider with Ectoplasma, spawn, ectoplasma Cannon Sponsons mm-hmm. and a Hades Autocannon in the grill, which I think I still will do, and then I can just proxy it as a regular Land Raider. Yeah, and but, uh, that's... I mean, I think in future chapter approves, you're going to see an expanded version of yeah. these types of rules for other vehicles or monsters yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, a couple... Things like Chaos Bikers got cheaper, and our friend Leonard gave me like 15 Chaos Bikers. Yeah. So that oh, did they, they got cheaper? Yeah, four points. They went from 27 to 23, Sweet. I believe. Yeah, and a few other tweaks. Grey Knight Terminators got cheaper. Yeah, which is a they needed that. Yeah, because there was no point in taking Terminators when you could take Paladins for like 30 or 40 points more, I think. Yeah, so um, other, I mean, I'm sure there's competitive podcasts that are going to do a breakdown of percentage base how much more efficient yeah. armies got i uh i remember in the last episode we were talking about what we were hoping for right. and new missions were 
one of the things. Yeah. So I'm glad because I think there's six new planet strike missions and six new uh, stronghold assault missions. Well, five new. Five new. Yeah, yeah five new and then the original one that was in there before. Yeah, right? and a lot of these are updated from Planetary Onslaught yeah. from last edition, but it's nice to see them printed. So that's cool, and I guess next year we'll probably end up getting City Fight. And uh, Death from the Skies? Maybe, yeah. Let's, I feel like I'm forgetting one. Maybe not. Anyways. Anyways, but there's all the uh, fortification data sheets are in there. Mm-hmm. There's uh, like one page of rules for each uh, faction that doesn't have a codex. Yeah, so I ended up, uh, I mean, the, the only thing that I've really looked at is the Tau one. And uh, so the Tau one got, uh, they have two warlord traits that you can mm-hmm. pick from. Uh, nice and fluffy, Master of Kion and Master of Mont Ka. Yeah. Uh, so it's one of them is your warlord can re-roll to hit rolls mm-hmm. if they don't move. And if they move, then they lose it for that turn. And the other one, I think, is they can move and fire normally. Like no heavy weapon penalty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is, I mean, put that on long strike. Oh, shit. And now you've got, you got a warlord that's running around firing his rail gun, right? Yeah. Yeah, because he's... When the Codex comes out, he'll have his own warlord trait that's assigned to him. But yeah. right now... Right now, there's nothing. Yeah. So, so it's nice for him, I guess. And I'm sure there's other benefits to it, too. I haven't really... Yeah, the relic you were using pretty hard today, though. Yeah, so the relic is, um, and I didn't even use one of the things because it, it has a reroll, right? Yeah, there's one reroll either to hit, to wound, or save once per game for that model or a model or a unit within six inches. Yeah, and but the other one is every time you or your opponent uses a stratagem, roll a d6, and on a six you get a command point back. Which I seem to be rolling sixes like crazy. Especially at the start of our game. Yeah, yeah, so I mean like we use so many stratagems right off the bat and I was still at like eight command points. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. And then um, what else is there? Oh, the uh, marker lights. And then there's the marker light stratagem, which I didn't end up using today because my dumb. marker lights got taken out pretty early. Lights. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean – if you're on the fence about getting this book and you play 40k, because like whether it's narrative or match, like there's stuff in this book for you. Well, there's... I think the GW is smart in the fact that it's it's not if you're on the fence about getting this book. I think you need kind of to need get it. this book if you play 40k. That's the that's the benefit or the the catch of getting into 40k now with this new style. Yeah, is that you need to buy this book to stay updated with the points and everything like that. I mean, Jay, if you and I lived in like rural Manitoba and only played each other, we could just stick with the core rule book. We wouldn't need to get the update. I guess that's true. (laughs) But if you are in any other situation, yeah, it's probably and I mean, there's 27 missions in here. Mm -hmm. That's my you know on the map counting on my hands how many missions. I think that's worth the. Yeah. What is it, 40 bucks? Yeah. I think it's worth the 40 bucks alone two, just for the missions. Yeah, two um, Warzone battle trait things, which I've used the ones out of the rule book, and they're amazing. Yeah. So one's just the Empiric Storm tweaked, but, mm-hmm. I mean, we used that at the ICI, and that worked great. Yeah, so. it was a lot of fun, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, speaking about the ICI, you want yeah, so to talk to us about it? This was a joke in end of August when we had a going away game or uh, event. Uh, I made a joke that I should host the Ian Clough Invitational because I think Harry had an Invitational named after him for his birthday or something. Okay. Anyways, I I think that's where it comes from. And I'm like, yeah, I'll just have an Ian Clough Invitational and I'll 
come in last place, and uh, you know, like, well, the joke the joke was that you that you never win a tournament. You don't win like competitive games. Yeah. So why don't you host the tournament where it's your rule set? It's whatever the rules you want it to be. Yeah. And then you invite who you want that will follow kind of set rules. And yeah, so I think it was a lot of fun. I came up with twelve prizes. Um, on little, made little trophies on plaques. No first place tries, pl- uh, prize either. Yeah, well, I wasn't going to win that, so. <laughs> um, but yeah, stuff like dead last, uh, biggest tactical blunder, best dressed, best yeah. painted, <laughs> fights like a space wolf, which is drunkest player, but still standing. <laughs> um, did anyone win that one? Snacks. No, right? Jordan took it. Oh, did he take it? He yeah. wasn't trash, but he was tipsy. Yeah. No one, I, I... I just kind of assumed someone would be like falling down drunk. I don't know why, but um, yeah, but everyone was, nobody got out of hand. Yeah. Uh, which is good because, you know, it's thousands of dollars worth of models yeah. and stuff. Also, the uh, the mission wasn't given to anybody ahead of time. That's yeah, right. you just told everyone it's 50 power level um, narrative game. Yeah. And just make your list. So nobody really knew what to expect. Well, I said bring a balanced list and don't be janky because yeah. you'll be punished for it. And, and well, one of the prizes was fluffiest list too, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I um, yeah, chief librarian. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And um, who won that? Um, hmm. <laughs> Excellent memory from a month ago, Ian. It was exactly a month ago, <laughs> so. Anyways, uh, but it ended up being a multiplayer game, four-player games. I think Leonard won it. Yeah, with his Augrin list. Yeah, all Augrins and yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyways, but it ended up being a four-player game with the objective in the center. Yeah. So in the core rulebook is an old third ed mission called Carnage, where um, you essentially you need to score points by sitting on the objective at the end of the turn, mm-hmm. and each turn. Who players who are not taking the first turn can attempt to steal the initiative, which is a tweak out of the book. I think you just roll off each turn or something. Okay. But yeah, and I figured bring a balanced list, and if you bring a janky list, the other three players are going to team up on you. So don't do that. Yeah, and um, so I ended up playing Grey Knights because there was a house rule where you got an extra three, two, an extra two command points if you had a fully painted list and based. And base that, yeah. like 100%. Um, I think only two of us had it. Yeah, you and Zach, I believe. Yeah. Um, no, it wasn't 100%, but like 95%. Yeah, done. close enough. Like and, if the eyes aren't done, that's fine, but yeah. that's about it. Um, but still, like my list was two strike squads. It's hard. 50 power level is really hard with Grey Knights. Um, it was a Nemesis Dread Knight, Grandmaster, mm-hmm. um, a Librarian, two strike squads, and a Terminator squad. Right. And just against, like, three opponents, so hard to, like, keep yourself alive. Yeah. So, like, I, I couldn't just jump to the center of the table because I had such a low model count that mm-hmm. I'm just getting blown off the objective, right? Yeah. So I'm, like, trying to dance around. Almost, I almost became more of a nuisance to other people than a serious contender right. for, like, winning these games. Uh, so I started going after other prizes. Yeah. I mean, being one of two painted armies, I had a good chance of winning best painted, which I did win. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, it was very close between you and Zach. Yeah. Yeah. And then I uh, 
decided, what the hell, I'm going to go for best dressed. Yeah. So I had to go to a, uh, a fancy dinner. That after, night. That yeah. night. I had to leave during the second game, and uh, which I wouldn't have won anyways. So mm-hmm. I'll explain what happened afterwards. But uh, so I had dress clothes with me at the event. So I ended up changing into my dress clothes. So yeah. best dress. Thank you very much. I was a little worried that, like, I, I don't know. I just, this terrifying thought that it was going to get out of hand and someone was going to get trashed and, like, go in my closet and, like, come out <laughs> wearing my clothes or something. Yeah. But, no. And the other thing is people didn't know what the prizes were ahead of time. Uh-huh. So you didn't know there was a best dress. Nobody knew. Luckily, I had the dress clothes. Yeah, it was just, like, yeah. spur of the moment. But I'm kind of excited to see next time. Because all those trophies are going to come back into the pool. Yeah, we've decided that you get to bring the trophy home with you. Yeah. But then you're supposed to bring it back the next year. And yeah. your name's been written on it, very like Stanley Cup style. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, your name's on the back, and then you bring it back, and I'll add more at the next event. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, most of the prizes were based on votes. There was a few that was like based on achievements. Like there was one headhunter, I think, where you whoever kills the most characters. Yeah, there was hunter. one lord of... Lord of Change. Lord of Change, which was you in so the um, the special stratagem in the Carnage game type is for one CP, or you can use one you can more. spend CP to um, like you can give them to other players to make deals and stuff. Yeah, and we all agree, gentlemen's agreement. If you do make a deal, you have to follow through on. Yeah, it, right. Um, so I tried to start going after that one as well. Yeah, um, which I think ended up. Matt took it. Yeah, someone else took yeah. it in the end because I had to leave early and I ended up using all my CP to screw someone over in the second game. <laughs> so the list I brought was uh, I went with Black Legion. At the core was a 15-man Chaos Space Marine squad with some plasma, two cultists, a Slanesh uh, Havoc squad with auto cannons, a lord, a sorcerer, and thousand, 10-man Thousand Sons or Rubric Marines more accurately. Yeah. Which worked out pretty well. I tied the first game because mm-hmm. uh, I kind of just ran onto the objective and was able to hold it with that big 15 man squad. Yeah, you ran onto the objective and I went to go attack a Death Guard army because I was like, oh, yeah. I don't want anything to do with that, with those Rubric Marines. And that's yeah. a lot of firepower that you have on your side. So if I start coming towards you, mm-hmm. I just don't have the mall count to be able to handle yeah, all yeah. that firepower. So I started going for the Death Guard because he had a few demons in there and stuff. Yeah, so I yeah. knew that I could caused some mortal wounds right off the bat to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, we ended up kind of just like really slugging it out. Yeah. And then let you come onto the objective and you kind of just like sat there. Cause I wasn't really doing that much. Yeah. Like I was kind of just defending the objective, but like, you know, my cultist charged a grav tank and like... Oh, well that was, <laughs> you won biggest tactical blunder. Yeah. Because you decided you're like, Oh, well I have a bunch of cultists and there's a grav tank there. That's going to, I think it was a fire prism, or was it, was it a just fire a, prism or a wave serpent? I don't yeah, remember. you're like I'm going to charge you so that you can't shoot at me next turn, and we're like, um, Ian, that unit can fly; it's just going to fall back and shoot you. Oh, I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> what? That makes no sense. Well, I might as well try and get like a six and wound it. Like who I knows? Guess so. Anyways, <laughs> um, so I I tied that game. Thank you. <laughs> Biggest tactical. Um, so yeah uh second oh so the last we mentioned earlier we're using the uh empiric storm cards which you know came out at the end of seventh edition if you compare them to eighth edition rules it's very they're definitely ridden with eighth edition in mind and 
Uh, so we used those, and there was a second stratagem you could do. For two points, you could, like, change the card. Yeah. Uh, and a player, it, the, the deck affected both tables at the same time, and a player, anyone could only do it a maximum of every 10 minutes, so we weren't just cycling through the deck. Yeah. And every 30 minutes, it automatically changed. It automatically changed. And I ended up, because I was playing an all-cycler army, yeah. so they really affected me. So mm-hmm. I ended up spending a fair amount of command points to... Yeah, just to try and like if like there was one where it'd be like you're minus two or you have no invulnerable save or something like that. Yeah, no, I'm spending the two to or your psyker, every psyker is minus one to something. It's like, okay, I got to spend the two points to get rid of that. Yeah, and I mean that the deck worked pretty well. Like if sometimes if it was oh, a unit takes d6 strength five AP four hits, I would just say, like, okay, this random unit takes d3 mortal wounds or something. Mm -hmm. I kind of just adjusted it on the fly. Yeah. And before the games, like the night before, I went through the deck and I only ended up taking out like two or three cards. And some of that was because we didn't have the demons to put on the table. Yeah. So that deck still functions quite well mm-hmm. in 8th Ed. So, which is good because it came back in chapter approved. Yeah. Um, I'll talk quickly about. So, in the first game, because there were four player games, the losers mm-hmm. of the two games ended up playing on one table and the winners of the two games. End up playing on the winner's table, basically. Um, I had to leave during the second game. I knew that I probably had about an hour and a half to play. Right. um, But that it wouldn't be enough to finish the game. Mm -hmm. So I just decided, I looked at my three opponents, I was like, I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm coming for one of you. (laughs) I'm bringing everything that I have. I'm charging you right off the, like, I'm coming full force at you. You're probably going to end up wiping me off the table, but I'm going to do as much damage as I can to you before I get taken out. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, it had to be our buddy Jeff. Yeah, who's you know one of the nicest guys we played. Yeah, and he was playing Death Corpse, and he had a nice long, nice large like fire line of like yeah. basilisks, uh, like the the firing batteries, not the like the platforms. So, so what you're saying is he didn't deserve it, and you're a monster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, he left me a nice nine inch bubble for me to deep strike into or like teleport into and yeah. it's narrative too remember so you can cast multiple of the same psychic power mm-hmm. you can use multiple of the same stratagem yeah or yeah, yeah. so i ended up teleporting within nine inches casting double vortex of doom oh jesus spending so many cp just to make it count yeah i mean i think it was by turn three that i ended up getting in there and doing it to him mm-hmm. because Turn one and two, he kind of knew that's what was going to happen because I started moving towards him. So he's like, oh, "Oh, no, it's me. So he kind of like tried to make like as much bubble as he could, but then someone else started attacking him. So he had to move out of the way and then he left me the bubble and ended up getting (laughs) in there and Vortex and Dooming his fire line and taking like everything out. (laughs) He was running Basilisks too. Basilisks. A load of infantry and... Yeah, he had Yarrick in there. He had some... uh, Yeah. Weapons platforms in there too, right, and stuff right, like right. that. Yeah, I don't know all the units for uh, for Death Corps. Yeah, or for Guard in general. But uh, yeah, I did a heavy number to him, and he got. <laughs> I think he won saltiest player after that. <laughs> he did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> um, my second game, I the first card we drew was you got to teleport a unit and like deep strike it back in, mm-hmm. and everyone rolled off, and the winner got to do it. So like a moron. I teleported my rubric marines onto the objective, and they got shot off said objective. <laughs> and then Jordan decided to come for me with some Blight Lord Terminators, which I managed to destroy 
but it took my entire army yeah. shooting at them after they'd already done a fair amount of damage. Yeah, they're really tough. Yeah. So I didn't last too much longer after that. I think, uh, who else was on my table? It was Alex, Jordan, and Knight, uh, Emperor's Joan, Zach, Zach, I think. Yeah, yeah. so Zach kind of cleaned up what Jordan had left behind. Yeah. So that, that was basically how it went for me. <laughs> I'm not even sure who ended up taking that game. I honestly don't remember. Mm-hmm. It was very close, though. I think, like... Well, it doesn't another... matter because there was no first-place prize. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was the ICI. It was a lot of fun, man. Mm-hmm. A lot of fun. You did a great job... Thank you. ...hosting an event. Yeah. I don't want to say it wasn't a tournament, but it was an event. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think everyone's looking forward to it next year. Yeah. Or the next time you do it. I don't know if you're going to it annually or biannually or... I'd like to do it about once every six months yeah. or every quarter or something. Uh, I'm hosting a APOC game somewhat in the near future. I don't know if that'll be an ICI or not, but yeah, yeah. I, I definitely want to do more narrative focus, like have a story and have that kind of building. And I want to, I'm kind of working towards having like an ongoing narrative for like the sector that I've created. Yep. So like all the campaigns I ran Windsor take place in that sector, all the campaigns that I've been a part of here have taken place in that sector, like the, Cordorian conflict, the blanking, return to... Colorax. Colorax, that's it. Those were all in the Pilgrim sector, so... Mm -hmm. It'd be cool if, like, each ICI event kind of added to that timeline. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, we also started our campaign. Yeah. Uh, I don't think... We won't talk too much about the match, because we're going to talk about it later in our uh, Planet Strike... Section. Section, yeah. Where we're going to break down kind of what worked, what didn't. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I guess, quick review... That uh, Stormguard won game one. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so we played a Planet Strike. Uh, basically, the story kind of going is the Tau are taking over this planet, and they're mounting their... Well, you know, some of the negotiations are working here and there, but there are, were cities it's, that have still been yeah, it's rebelling like, against them. It's kind of like at the tail end of the Damocles Crusade, and there's like worlds that have joined the Tau and stuff, and the Stormguard yeah. are kind of coming in to not just fight the Tau, but also fight the traitors. Yeah, so the so. map that we had set up, um, that I set up, was kind of like uh, maybe a third of the map, maybe a little bit less than that, maybe a quarter, was kind of like a wall that had been broken down with a yeah. little bit of city inside, and then kind of like a forward base on the other third of the table mm-hmm. uh, that kind of was like maybe the Tau's forward base, and they had been having yeah. a battle here, and they had just broken through the wall about... To, kind of flow into this last city that was the last bastion of this planet that the Tau have been taking over, and then in comes the Stormguard. Yeah. Planet striking in to kind of fight them off. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, it was a hard-fought battle, but uh, in the and you were going to call it too. Yeah. You were kind of looking at it, I think, at the end of turn three, being like, I don't know, maybe I should call it. It was bottom of two, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because you were like piecemealing some of your stuff coming in. Yeah. And... uh, it's my reserve. You have to roll for reserves and plan strike, and it did not go well. Yeah. So, but I was like, no, man, like, I don't know. It looks like it might go your way. So you're like, okay, well, I'm going to roll my reserves, and we'll see. Rolled your reserves. Everything came in. Yeah, and, the uh, remaining units. It really swung so. from there. Yeah. But uh, we're going to break that game down more, kind of why it went your way, I think. Yeah. As uh, when we get into that section. Yeah. So next battle is going to be a city fight then. Yeah, which I'm pumped for. Uh, yeah. You've played a city fight. I've played two. Actually, that's a great segue because I played a city fight this month mm-hmm. against Chris's Raven Guard. So he ran 30k Raven Guard. Yep. And we played the Fire Sweep mission. And 
put a few pictures up on the Facebook page. He's got a gorgeous Raven Guard army. And I was running Black Legion, 1,500 points. We were using points even though it's narrative. Yeah, he's actually won a few awards for... That's right, his, yeah. Uh, for his Raven Guard. Yeah. And I've never played Chris before, so mm-hmm. I was really excited to play him because he's a really nice guy and we get along pretty well. Yeah. At least I think so. Maybe <laughs> he just hates me secretly and just <laughs> wanted that opportunity to kick my teeth in on the table. But he seemed nice, so you know about it. So I assume we're good friends. Anyways, I'm rambling now. So we did a fire sweep, and one of the rules in City Fight missions is if you start and if you move your entire movement phase on a road, you get an extra two inches or an extra four inches if you advance. Mm-hmm. Oh, if you advance. Oh, yeah, wow. so Black Legion yeah. advances and fires rapid-fire weapons. Yeah, wow. So I was moving pretty quick. And then my bikes, which automatically advanced six inches, yeah. are now advancing ten inches. Uh-huh. So they moved 24 inches first turn wow. and got to shoot because they have rapid-fire weapons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, he did a pretty good job of tearing me up. Um, he was using Stern Guard with their uh, Spec Op bolters, yep. which are like AP minus two. Mm-hmm. So they're really good. Yeah, Stern Guard are great. Yeah. And so he, he hit me pretty hard first turn, but I kind of started coming back. Um, I think I took out his Dreadnought or took it very down low to Contemptor. And my Havocs did some good work. But just, oh, and he wiped, nearly wiped my Plague Marines, but I had my two Plasma Gunners and the Sergeant left, and they took out, like, a whole squad on their own. Then nice. the Sorcerer, yeah, like, plasma. wouldn't die. <laughs> Eventually, though, he did manage to table me, including his captain taking her Mastercrafted Bolt Gun and punking my Chaos Lord <laughs> without even looking, pretty much. Really? Like, she was moving away from him to getting ready to charge the bikes, and he she could, like, see him through a window. He's like, yeah, I'll just... Fire the assault two, two damage each. Oh, you failed both your saves. <laughs> he only he'd already taken a wound. Oh, he's dead. Yeah, slay the warlord. <laughs> so, yeah, that was embarrassing. That's cool. I'm looking forward to playing city fight. Yeah, I just played a, like an all infantry list against you, mm-hmm. and I was uh, I was thinking about maybe saving that list for the city fight. Yeah, because there's a lot of infantry bonuses mm-hmm. with all the ruins and all that stuff, like yeah. ha- having height advantage and everything. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what list I end up bringing to that one. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't come into much play in our game because high advantage removes cover. Yeah. But I was in the open on roads mm-hmm. most of the time, so... Yeah. Um, and so he had high advantage on me, but I was in cover, and I was on the ground, so I didn't have high advantage on him. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, Any other game you want to talk about? No, I think that's about it other than Planet Strike. Right on, man. So take a quick break. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back with a... Uh, Nice discussion question, which is, uh, oh, when do you tell your opponent that he's being an idiot and start giving him tactical advice? We'll be right back. Okay, so uh, this episode, we're going to do a discussion topic Mm -hmm. instead of rules lawyering. So this is based on a conversation I was having with uh, Jordan and Alex just while we were at Games Workshop. Actually, it was we were going for a coffee in the middle of mine Jordan's Planet Strike game. And the question is, when do you correct your opponent on mistakes they've made? Tactic, tactics mistakes, mostly. But also rules mistakes. Yeah, I think rules mistakes is a little different. Because, like, if someone's making a rules mistake, you should always correct it. 
yeah. right away. Um, and I guess that leads into almost a different question is what if that causes an argument? What do you do? Well, I mean, like today you were playing Jeff's mechanic, uh, AdMech. Yeah. And he f- kept forgetting his canicles and he kept reminding him. Yeah. Like in a tournament setting, do you think you should... No. Correct your opponent. In a tournament setting, no. If he's forgetting a bonus. Yeah. Yeah. But outside of a tournament setting, even if, like, it could be a competitive game, but, like, you know, amongst friends or something, you're trying to win. Yeah. Then do you correct your opponent when he forgets his canicles or his buff from his warlord? So when it comes to, um, like, friendly games, Mm -hmm. I'm always down to, like, help my opponent out. Yeah. If I remember what the rule is, if the situation is like I didn't know the rule and they forgot the rule and they want to go back and correct it, I guess it all depends on how it would have affected things that have happened since they forgot the rule. Right. How much has happened. Yeah. Like if it's too complicated to go back, then sorry, man. You kind of got to learn your codex. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You got to learn the rules. Um, I don't. I don't think that's not being unfriendly. Mm-hmm. I think that's just for the sake of the game at this point. Simplicity. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if nothing's really at stake, you know, who cares if someone made a mistake? It's, yeah. You know, there's no money on the line or a yeah, prize exactly. or something. Yeah. Uh, what about tactics, though? Like, I mean, today, like, I was gonna put my drop pod way out of the way, and you're like, you know, that can hold an objective, Ian. Yeah. Um. I think things, when we play games, you and I, I think it's a little bit different. Right. We share a lot of tactical advice. You take pity on me. <laughs> well, it finally paid off. You won today. Um, Yay. Uh, usually when I play, just even if it's a friend, um, unless it's a real bad tactical blunder, and I can tell that it's because they're making a mistake with the rules. Yeah. Like if someone's going to charge someone that can fly because they want to lock it up to shoot. <laughs> uh-huh. Maybe I'll throw it in there. Hey, you realize that guy can leave, right? Um, otherwise, like unit deployment and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, I tend not to let someone do it. And then afterwards, maybe we can talk about it. Like, right. hey, why did you do this? Or mm-hmm. Because at that point, like it's still like a strategy game. Yeah. And it's still like... You are competing to, to win. Yeah, and similar, like, even today... I'm not going to hand you the victory, right? Yeah, even today, near the end, it's like, I, you said to me, I really don't think you should have split your forces the way you did. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, but during the game, not, not so much, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I tend to... I think I tend to agree that it's... it's I, I certainly don't take, like, the war machine approach where you don't correct anyone ever... And just always go for the throat, always go for the win. Yeah, it's a game where there's so many rules to so many different units mm-hmm. that someone might be doing something because they don't understand, they don't know the rules of your yeah. units. And like I said, in a tournament setting, that's not your fault that they don't know all the rules yeah, of yeah. every single unit, right? Or how things go. If you're mm-hmm. going to be a tournament player, that's part of being a tournament player is understanding yeah. all the rules. Yeah. Um, and asking before you do things, I suppose. Um, in a friendly gaming environment, narrative game play and stuff like that. Yeah. I think you should give warning to your opponent if they're about to do something because they don't realize that a unit can do something 
yeah, in like, turn against them. Yeah. And there was something to, especially if it's a misunderstanding. Like today I was charging a bunch of your Tau and you're about to overwatch with Shadow Sun. And I specifically said, like, you know, that's not the Dreadnought in front of her that's charging. Like I said, it was the veteran. Like, yeah. Oh, right. No, yeah. no. She's not the fire. Mm-hmm. Like, I did say it, though, right? And if it was a tournament, I probably would have let that go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that I ever played tournaments, but hypothetically speaking, it, Darkest Timeline Ian might do that. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a quick little discussion there. I just, it was an interesting question that you guys had that you were talking about. Yeah, because just... I don't remember what it was that came up during mine Jordan's game. It might have been about the gene. No, you know what it was? I put a tank outside of my defenses and it got trapped the whole game. It couldn't move because yeah. it was locked up against genes or uh, hormigons. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it was. And he was like, you know, we're halfway to him. He's like, I, yeah, I was wondering why you did that. Yeah. And I didn't want to say anything. I'm like, no, that's fair. Like, it's a, it's a strategy game, like you said, right? Yeah. So, you know, I won't make that mistake again. But yeah. I'm, you know, I'm not. Holding grudge, he didn't tell me. <laughs> Holding grudge because he cheated with the gene stealers. <laughs> Just kidding, Jordan. I love you and your frosted tips. Anyways, we'll <laughs> we'll be uh, we're gonna take a little break and we'll be right back with our main topic for tonight: Planet Strike. Tonight on the wrong side of the maelstrom, our main topic: Planet Strike. Planet Strike. <laughs> <laughs> pew, pew. Just excellent sound effects. Yeah, that's what they pay me for. Uh, so this was a narrative mission out of the big rule book. Mm-hmm. And now that chapter approved has come out, they've added five more missions. Yep. But tonight we're going to be covering just the original mission. Planet Fall. Which is Planet Fall, yep. yeah. Um, so Planet Fall... No, okay, so normally with all these narrative missions, it comes across very uh, one-sided. Yeah. Not, not very one-sided, but there's always um, the attacker is supposed to have more points than the defender. Usually, but usually yeah. the defender will get extra benefits and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, we ended up playing our games with the defender having 100 power level and the attacker having between 120 and 125. I had 125, exactly. Yeah, I think I had 123 in my match. Yeah. Um, just wherever you would fall yeah. within there. When I played Jordan, we both had 2,500 points. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Huh, right on. So, uh, the battlefield, when you're setting up for this mission, for Planetfall, mm-hmm. um, the defender's deployment zone is the whole table. And they actually get to set up the table as well. Yeah. They get to set up the terrain however they want to, mm-hmm. um, which I really like. I find that interesting because yeah. the attacker is attacking the defender's base yeah. almost, right? Absolutely. So, they get to choose whatever they want. Um, you can make it as crowded as you want, as open as you want. Yeah. Uh, one of the bonuses... and. So we played the mission out of the big rule book. It's mm-hmm. changed a little bit now that chapter yeah. has come out. Um, we didn't have time to kind of process the the new mission. No, because chapter proof literally came out today. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so in the one that we played in the big rule book, it says that you the defender can add bastions mm-hmm. to their and, defenses. And other fortifications and, as well. It mentions bastions and defense lines. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you can add that stuff in. Um, the Bastion stats are different. Than the data sheet in the uh, index. Yeah. Uh, so they have toughness 10. As opposed to 9. Yeah, which is huge. Yeah. It would, it's really hard to take out a Bastion yeah. in this game type. 
which I think we'll talk about when we get into like tactics and things that we've learned. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I ended up using four in my game. Yeah, and I didn't kill one. No, you killed one. That's right. I did kill one. Um, and yeah, and they all have heavy bolters on them and everything yeah. like that. Now, the problem is with these changed stats in the Planet Strike mission, it doesn't give you all of the rules that the data sheet gives you. Yeah. So what do you use? Like, can models inside shoot? Um, does the building itself explode? Like, it talks about it collapsing, and on mm-hmm. a one to three, a model is slain. Oh. Right? Yeah. Um, so there are different things compared to, from the data sheet compared to um, the rules here in the big rule book. Yeah, yeah. Now, what we've noticed, though, is that in Chapter Approved, they've now just said you can include any fortification yeah. on your deployment for any, free. Any number of fortifications that don't count towards your power level. Yeah, and whether that's like buildings or it's not just set alone to bastions and... Uh, defense lines. And defense lines and... Uh, they have turrets and stuff like that, like uh, emplacements and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then they give you all the data sheets for you to use. So that really simplified everything. That that was a lot of confusion for us, was trying to figure out how you're supposed to play these bastions properly. Yeah. And that's probably why they changed it in chapter approval, because other people were having the same questions. Yeah. And that came up a lot in mine Jordan's game. Like, are these bastions aren't the same as the ones in chapter or in uh, the index? Yeah. Do we get all the, like, the immobile special rule and all that stuff? And yeah. We, we end up just rolling for it. Mm-hmm. And even after, like, some situations came up where I don't even think it's fully addressed in the index either, mm. how buildings work. Or some things feel weird, like, you can't just walk away from them or something. Like yeah. You're still engaged. You have to fall back, which seems kind of I think auras are a little ambiguous. Yeah, whether or not auras work... Can they affect other models in the building or yeah. can you measure from the building? Stuff like that. So if you're playing Planet Strike, these are things you want to think about and discuss with your opponent ahead of time. Now with Chapter Proof, some of them have been cleared up a little more, but yeah. definitely something to you know read through the building rules, think about how you're going to play the mission and talk to your opponent before you set up. I know it really affected my army when I was playing defense because I had a lot of auras and buffs. Yeah. And I wasn't too sure how to... We we kind of just played it by ear, situation by situation. So I think in the future what we should do is just auras, buffs, they affect units inside. Other units in the same building. Yeah. Um, so after the defenders set up how they want to have the terrain set up with their, ba- with their bastions or buildings now, any of mm-hmm. their um, fortifications, they then place six objective markers on the table. Yeah. Um, these can be inside of buildings. Yeah. And then uh, models inside the building and models within three inches of the building all count towards capturing that objective. Yeah. Until the building is destroyed and removed from play, in which case the objective is placed in the center there. Yeah. And then uh, the defender deploys all of their models on the table. Uh, we'll talk about it afterwards more in depth, I would say, for with reasons why. You, you got to use those bastions. You got to hide your models. Oh, absolutely. Um, the reason being is after the defender deploys everything, there is a firestorm attack, right? Yeah, there is. So the way this works is the attacker sets up uh, six dice, numbered one through six, and then gets a certain number of attacks. So in Planetfall, it's D3 
plus the number of bastions or plus the number of fortifications, depending on if it's chapter approved of the core rulebook. So in this case, we did by the number of bastions. So I got D3 plus 4 for a total of 6. And there's stratagems that affect this. Anyway, so you get your dice, in my case, 6, and you roll them. And for each number that you roll corresponds to a die on the table, and for each firestorm attack die, it hits that number, and every unit within 3 inches of the marker takes D6 mortal wounds. Yeah, so you have to remember that as the defender... You're starting with a smaller force than the attacker. Yeah. And you're getting these fortifications for free, which levels it out to a mm-hmm. degree. Um, but D6 mortal wounds. Yeah. Is, and your opponent is going to put those firestorm strikes on your models. Yeah. Right? And they have to be nine inches away, so it's not like you can cluster them all. But if you... Uh, I did something similar against a game with Jeff few weeks ago yeah. with uh, a similar mechanic in one of the war zones uh-huh. and a big model like a shadow sword or something you can easily put three dice on it yeah so on all different corners and stuff. Yeah, yeah and it being nine inches away and still affecting it so you know and if you're playing a i think plant strike really works well at the 2000 to 2500 point level yeah so you're generally playing with fairly large armies so there's going to be places to put those markers yeah in both games that i played the defender took some pretty decent casualties yeah. before the game even started. I yeah, I took a lot against yeah. Jordan, and uh, we'll talk a bit. In, um, we'll talk a bit about the stratagems and how they affect the firestorm attack because they're really important. Anyway, so after the fire, after that's done, then it's the attacker gets the first turn. Now they don't start with anything on the table. Yeah, everything goes in reserves, and like old school. Reserves, you have to roll for them, and it's on a three up. Yeah. Any infantry and any units that fly can start in orbit, and everything else starts in landing zone. So you mm-hmm. pick a board edge, and that's where your reserves move on from, from the landing zone. And anything in orbit when they come in, get to deep strike six inches away. Six inches. Yeah. Yeah, it... <laughs> not, like, not even seven inches to make it, like, an average first-turn charge. Six, so more six, likely you're, than you're not, more than likely they're getting succeeding. In. Yeah, um, yeah, it's easy to just get absolutely tangled first turn. Yeah, and um, I think that is really, and that's definitely carryover from last, the older editions of Apocalypse, where they could assault out, out of deep strike. Out of deep strike, yeah. And I mean, then you're, you're risking scattering into the enemy and having units destroyed, but. And this it's, now it, is, it's worth noting, too, that uh, when you say it's like old school reserves, like you have to roll. You don't get to pick yeah. which models. Oh, okay, I, I would like this one to come on now. Does it come on on a 3+. plus? No, no, no. You roll for everything in reserve, and on a 3+, plus, it comes in. Yeah, which, yeah, sometimes you... Yeah, I, anyways, it's not like today where you get to pick which ones come in and off. Like you don't... If you don't want a unit to come in, you better hope you roll one or two. Yeah. Or if you're like me, almost nothing comes in. <laughs> so, yeah, that's something to keep in mind. You can, again, there's stratagems to kind of lessen that blow. But the unfortunate thing is, is you're at a huge risk of your army coming in piecemeal. Yeah. So, um, after the planetary assault starts happening, attacker comes in first turn. I know the games that I've played, both games, it's just a bloodbath. Because yeah. the attacker's coming in so close with everything. They know what they have. They know what they need to attack. They start just wiping things off the table. 
Now, yeah. the thing is, though, you're coming in close. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, the defender, as the defender, you can't just get, like, riled by the fact that you're losing stuff right off yeah. the bat. Just hold tight. Hopefully, you put your stuff in bastions. Make that counterattack afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of this mission, I find, is you need to defend yourself properly. Yeah. By hiding your units in bastions and in, like, yeah. know that that, like, hard fist is coming right off the bat. Yeah, and I, like, the Firestorm attack is really brutal, and I think we'll talk about this a little later, maybe, or now, but you need to put stuff in Bastions. Yeah. And it's really cinematic when you think about it. Like, you just picture before the battle starts, like, an air raid siren going off. Everyone's running into the, like, bunkers and silos, and then the ground starts quaking, and then drop marines come in, and just everyone pours out of the Bastions to repel the invaders. And it's really cool. And you need to play that way, <laughs> otherwise you're going to lose. Yeah, exactly. You're going to have a bad time. Um, so the game lasts for six battle rounds. Yeah. And the victory conditions, it's done by victory points. Mm-hmm. Um, you get one point for Slay the Warlord. Kind of... Typical. Kind of typical, and it's one victory point isn't very much, because at the end of the game, each objective marker is worth three victory points, and yeah. there's six on the table. Right. But that can make the difference, though. Yeah, I mean, if it's an even game, that Warlord kill can be the tiebreaker. Yeah. And that's probably why they've thrown it in there as well. Yeah, for sure. And, like, there's no First Blood. There's no Line Breaker. Which I like. Yeah. It really gets down to the basis of and the, try and survive and then... Yeah. Well, I mean, And the then key- grab those objectives. I mean, if you're smart, you're putting those objectives inside the Bastions. Yeah. Because yeah. those Bastions are really tough to take down. Mm-hmm. Anyways, how about we take a quick break and come back and do stratagems? Right now. All right, so uh, we're going to talk about the stratagems in Planet Strike. Mm-hmm. Now, in the big rulebook, there was only two for attacker and two for defender, but with the um, with co- chapter approved coming out, they've now made it. What is it? Six for each side now. Yes. Um, so I know in my first game we just played with the with the original two. Yeah. But in our game, we played with all six. Yeah. So I mean, instead of going through each one in detail. Because there's six. Because there's six, so there's 12 in total. And go by the book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> although you probably already did. Yeah. Um, we're each going to pick three, I think. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll pick Defender, because in our the one that we did, mm-hmm. I played Defender, you played Attacker. Yeah. Um, and if you want to follow along, it's page 35 of Chapter Approved. Mm-hmm. Um, sir, would you like to go first? Sure. Uh, just before we start, which which two are the or which four are in the main rulebook? Um, in the main rulebook for attacker, there's scorched skies, mm-hmm. uh, rapid drop assault, yeah, targeting jammer for defender and fortified stronghold. Okay. So first one I'm going to talk about is rapid drop assault because it's one that I used in my game. Yeah, and one CP attacker only. You use this before making reserve rolls at the end of your movement phase, and D3 units of your choice automatically arrive from reserves. I use this first turn. Absolutely clutch. I probably would have lost. Yeah, yeah, because your actual reserve rolls were terrible. Yeah. Um, I use it as well in my game, because yeah. this is one that's out of the big rulebook. Yeah, I think Jordan used it versus me. Yeah, uh, D3 is hit and miss, but it is only one CP. Mm-hmm. And I had a unit of paladins, three-man unit of paladins, because yeah. I played Grey Knights in my other game. Mm-hmm. 
and I had a apothecary and a paladin ancient that I kind of wanted all to keep together. Yeah. And knowing that you had to do the reserve rolls, mm-hmm. I decided, okay, I'm going to spend the one CP to roll this. Yeah. And hope that if I get three, I'm just going to throw all three of those in and they'll come yeah. in. And then if not, then I'm just hoping it's less of a chance that less units come in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I brought in my storm Raven loaded to the gills, uh, my unit terminators and drop pod with the, uh, librarian dreadnought. I was yeah. using the Lucius proxying the Lucius pattern. Uh-huh. So, which, you know, the storm Ravens carrying that's like three or more units right there. And that and it was good because my reserve rolls were garbage. Yeah. So go ahead. Um, okay. I'm going to pick uh, targeting jammers. It's one of the one of the original ones. Yeah. As well. Uh, it's two CP, and it allows you to use a stratagem before the attacker resolves their firestorm attacks. You can move any one of the firestorm location dice up to two d6 in any direction. Mm-hmm. So this one's really handy. It is two CP. Um, but if, like, those Firestorm attacks are going to be going on your models. Mm-hmm. Your opponent knows what he needs to try and hit with Mortal Wounds right off the bat. Yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully he doesn't have them on everything, so you don't have to burn that. Because it is narrative, so you can use this multiple times. Yeah. Uh, I use it twice in our game. Mm-hmm. And I think in my game with Jeff, he used it twice as well. Yeah. Um, so for 4 CP, you're moving two of them 2d6. Hopefully you roll all right. And uh, it really gets it out of there because it's only within three inches of a model. Yeah. Right? So it's so it really pushes it out of the way. Um, if you pick another one of the stratagems, we'll talk about what you need to think about it because there are other ones that kind of create larger attacks or link yeah. points together. So you need to kind of be conscious of where you're moving them. It's not just getting them out of the way of your guys. It's where you're moving them in respect to the other ones that are laid down as well. Yeah. Was it 2CP in the big rule book as well? Yeah. Oh, okay. So I used Oh, it. no, no, it was 1CP in the big rule book. Okay. I thought so, because I used it a few... I used, like, t- it at least three times versus Jordan. Oh, right on. Yeah. Yeah, 2CP is probably better, because that's a... Like, the Firestorm attack really helps the attacker out to start. Yeah. Uh, my next one, I'm going to pick Laser Burn. So, this this one's awesome. You uh, use this stratagem after resolving your firestorm attack, but before the location dice are removed, you roll two dice on a double. Nothing happens. Otherwise, you draw a straight line between the two firestorm location dice, and each unit under that line suffers D three mortal wounds. Fortunately, I rolled doubles when I started this, so I had to burn a fourth point because it's three CP to re-roll. But it was awesome. Yeah. Um, this is what I was talking about, where you have to be conscious of where you're moving them to because this links two points together and creates a line. Mm-hmm. And it, it's handy because when I, when I played Jordan, obviously we didn't have chapter approved at that point. He just removed the dice that I jammed off because they were too far away. Yeah. But in this case, like the one that you moved fully away from your guys was one of the ones that targeted the laser. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and it ended up doing some wounds to... Uh, it was a broadside and... And some marker drones, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So it ended up doing some damage. Um, the next one that I'm going to pick... Huh. I'm going to pick Foxholes. Okay. It's only one CP, which is always great. If a stratagem is just one CP... Yeah. 
That's awesome. Beautiful. Um, a lot of the Defender ones are actually, I think all of the Defender ones, except for one, have to do at the beginning of the game. Um, which I kind of like because it lets you then use yeah. your codex stratagems. All of the attacker ones are either have to do with the reserves or firestorms. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of them at the beginning. Um, so you use the stratagem when one of your infantry units is hit by a firestorm attack, half the number of mortal wounds rounding up suffered by the unit. Now, we talked about this when it happened because um, I used it. Yeah. When do you decide to use it? I say you use it as soon as you see, like, before you resolve the number of hits that are coming at you. Because yep, well. I really think that determines whether or not you're going to use the one. If you roll two, well, no, screw you. I'm not going to use it because it's just two wounds. If you roll, if you get two hits and then you roll 2d6 mm-hmm. and you get 12, well, yeah, of course I'm going to use it. Yeah. Right? I think this is one of the ones where it's like, oh, you have two Firestorm attacks coming there. I'm using Foxholes. Yeah. Uh, in the game that we played, I think you ended up rolling a four, so I only ended up taking two. Yeah. Uh, for one CP, it's great. Yeah, that's true. Especially if you're rocking like a brigade. Yeah. You have so many. Uh, so the last one I'm going to pick is one I didn't use. It's because I didn't really understand it. Now that I have a chance to read it over, I think I got a handle on it. So it's three, piece, three CP. It's ground observer. And use a stratagem after rolling C where Firestorm Attack will land. Add one to or subtract one from the result. And if it's a zero, you count as six. And if it's a seven, you count as one. So you roll the die, one of your dice for the Firestorm Attack. And let's say it was a two. And two is the one that Jason happened to target jam eight inches away and isn't going to happen and uh, hit anything. Well... I'll spend three CP and say, no, that's going to be a one, which is the best. You know, there's like six units within three inches of one. Uh, And I was confused because I wasn't sure if this was all of your Firestorm attacks or just one of them and how all that worked. But now reading again, it's very clear. It's only one. It's not all six, which would be kind of interesting. It just shifts all the dice one way or another way. Yeah, three CP is pretty, uh, that's a pretty big commitment. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, like, Firestorm attacks are really crucial to this mission. I think it's situational. Like, if it's, if you have a die or a target that's, you know, hitting just so many attacks, and you've already hit it a few times, it's like, yeah, I just want to hit it one more time, and then I'll crumble the Bastion or something. Yeah. Like, cause, I mean, out of my six, I rolled three twos for my roll. Yeah. And, you know, that had all been the same if that all hit the same unit that unit be evaporated yeah unfortunately that was the one that you jammed eight <laughs> inches away anyways last one so the last one that i'm gonna pick is um huh i'm gonna pick crack traps okay i was gonna do directional void shields but i'm gonna go crack traps use this it's two cp use the stratagem when an enemy unit arrives from reserve and is set up on the battlefield roll a d6 for each model in that unit for each roll of a six, that unit suffers a mortal wound. So I think this one is good when your enemy is using like larger units. Like 30 gene stealers. Yeah, yeah, even 10-man units. Um, I mean, I used it three times. Yeah. Because you had three 10-man units. Come in, and that's what's And I six. also had a lot of command points. Yeah. 
So I was like, what the hell? I'm going to use them. I want to see how this works. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up doing two, one mortal wound to two units and two mortal wounds to another. Yeah. Which at the time I was like, oh, that was like nothing. But then statistically that is average. Yeah, but you spent six command points to do four mortal wounds. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I guess it is hit and take, but at the same time, mortal wounds are... They're good, good. right? Yeah. There's a really good chance that you could do a lot of damage to a unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I was a little too generous with picking, just doing it three times. Yeah. Um, but with that said, I still think it's a, a good stratagem, especially the fact that you get to decide, like, it's after a unit's been deployed, so you can kind of decide, like, yeah, oh, I don't like that placement. That's going to be a, a tough one for me to deal with. Okay, I'll use this then. Yeah. It's not like... Oh, you just successfully rolled for that unit. Mm-hmm. Okay, well they're going to suffer from crack traps. No, let me see what you do, and then that's true. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Okay, I'm going to have it honorable mention. Sure. Which is Scorch Skies. Yeah. Um, two CP. You get an additional D3 Firestorm attacks. Yeah. I think that's a must almost as attacker. I mean, I guess it depends on how many like. If your opponent doesn't have a lot of models and you weren't able to put your Firestorm attacks hitting a lot of units, yeah, it's probably not worth it. But if you have like that Firestorm markers hitting everything, it's yeah. worth getting that additional D3. Well, I, like in, my, in our game, um, I had the six CP, or the, sorry, the six attacks. So I'm like, I don't really need D3. I think I've got enough. Yeah. And then three of them missed. Yeah. So, but then it might have been three more missed. Well, the more so. Firestorm attacks you have, the... Yeah, for the better sure. right off the bat. Um, uh, do you want to go through the ones I wrote? Definitely, yeah. So yeah. you started making some custom ones, right? Yeah. So I was before chapter proof came out. I was going through the planetary onslaught book and looking at war gear, looking at those stratagems, and thinking how can these be adapted to 40k because it's a little light in the core rulebook. Now, obviously, it's been expanded, and a lot of those actually came from planetary onslaught. But I got three here that I want to go through. So the first one, one CP, ammunition stores. Select a building and add one to its to hit rolls for this shooting phase. So you select a bastion, hits on fours. Or, you know, and its AA gun is hitting on threes against flyers. Yeah, that's good because um, they're only hitting on fives normally. Yeah. So to hit on fours half the time you're hitting, that's, that's good. Yeah, I think for one CP, it's just one building, but I don't know. I, f- I felt that was fair. And it's plus one, so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, the next one is escape hatches. Now, this was written in mind under the big rulebook rules where when a uh, bastion was destroyed, you lose models on a 1 to 3, not just a 1. So keep that in mind. So 1 CP escape hatches. Use when a building is destroyed. Models inside are only slain on 1. It may be set up within 12 inches of the destroyed building. So this represents, like, you know, the old school rule where you'd put, like, an escape hatch marker and that was an access point. That's a 3CP one to me. Really? Yeah. Um, we've said it enough times already in this segment. Uh, the Bastions are so hard to take down, man. Yeah. They're so hard to take down that if that Bastion isn't... Like, if you can take all those wounds out, if you can take 20 wounds out mm-hmm. in that one turn, like, oh, man, that's tough. That's tough to do. Uh like, you brought it down to two wounds, I just disembarked everyone out of there. Because yeah. you only survive on a four plus, yeah, I'm getting everyone out of that thing. 
If you're yeah. willing to wait until that last second, yeah, you're spending that CP to get them out. Well, I think you could modify that just to say, use this when a model disembarks. Because now they're being destroyed on one, not a one to three under chapter approved. Yeah, but that's a huge... Oh, you mean under chapter approved now it's just It's just one? as far as I can tell because you're using the data slates, oh, okay. not, the, not the actual big rule book. Right? Yeah, yeah. I might have missed something. But anyway, so, you know, one CP, when a unit disembarks, they can disembark up to 12 inches. Yeah, yeah. Um, last one. Now, this, this might change your mind about whether or not that should be a three CP. Okay. So demolition charges, two CP. Use this when infant, and this is an attacker stratagem. Use this when an infantry unit is set up on the board, so, you know, coming in from reserves. Yeah. Once per battle, in the fight phase when attacking a building, up to 10 models may use their demo charges. Roll to hit, even though you normally auto-hit against buildings. Each hit causes D3 mortal wounds. <laughs> so, hear me out, because I know that sounds powerful. Yeah. So it's when the unit is set up on the table, so you know it's coming. You have to hit normally, yeah. So which... You know, you're now missing, where usually you auto-hit a building. And D3, and it's only up to 10 models, so it's between 10 and... It's a max of 30 wounds, but more likely it's under 15, let's say. Yeah. Um, I'd be willing to say on you roll to hit, and it's one mortal wound. Yeah. 10 mortal wounds is a lot of mortal wounds. Yeah, but it... Yeah, I don't know. I Like, I had this... I had this toned down. Originally, it was D6 for each hit. Yeah, that's And one CP. <laughs> so. um, yeah, I think they're all really cool. They're all really, yeah. really fluffy. I like them. I, yeah, I think they need a little bit of work. We should for have, sure. We'll play test them. And yeah. uh, we are going to do another, uh, probably in a few months, where we really start breaking down more of the Planet Strike missions. Yeah, I think right? we go Going back it to it. And then we'll uh, incorporate some of these like special stratagems and stuff. Yeah, I'm going to... And know. I like how they are like in-game stratagems. Yeah. Not just, like, at the that's start. That's true, actually. Yeah, they all are in-game. Yeah, that's true. I, okay, I'm going to post these up on... Uh, I'm going to maybe tweak them a little bit and post them on our Facebook page in, like, a nice format as if I'm a professional <laughs> gamer. <laughs> We're not professionals. Guy, whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, check them out. If you use them in your own Planet Strike games, please let me know what you think and what changes you can make or I should make. And uh, do you want to take a quick break before we dive into tactics and games played? Let's do it. Okay. All right, we're now going to talk about our Planet Strike games that we played. We each played one test game, and then before playing against each other, we're going to talk about tactics and things we learned and what we did. Yeah, we each played a game as defender and a game as attacker That's just right. to get we need to get the experience and I think for narrative it's really important to play both sides. Yeah, especially in this because I really feel like the defender has an uphill battle. An uphill battle, yeah. definitely. And that's kind of been typical for Planet Strike, which is unfortunate because it's a very iconic uh game type, I think, like an invasion of a tip of the spear, invasion of a planet sort yeah. of thing. But it just it's always been from what I've played or heard Planet Strike like I'm I don't actually know if I've seen a game where the Defender won you really have to be like you have to customize your list for it I feel yeah well um, I think for narrative in general you should yeah anyway so I played against uh, Jordan's Nids using my Blood Angels for our first game and we were doing sort of like a devastation of ball sort of thing where the Nids are 
attacking the Blood Angels' homeworld, and the Stormguard have sent their first company and four other companies to help defend, et cetera, et cetera. So I took a very defensive list, lots of Terminators representing the first company, Terminator characters, a Land Raider, a Predator, uh, not a Demolisher, a Vindicator, that's the one, <laughs> and some Tac Marines, and that was the crux of my list. And a few librarians, too, to help try and counter uh, mid psychic powers, which is actually good because psychic hoods give you plus one to deny within mm -hmm. 12, which I didn't realize until this game. <laughs> I don't remember what Jordan brought. It was a lot. 20 gene stealers and a broodlord, that's really all you need to know about his list because <laughs> that killed everything, and not just because he cheated. Uh, Jordan thought uh, gene stealer rending claws re-rolled to wound. They don't. Only the broodlords does but it wouldn't have changed anything because those things are monsters. Yeah. Like, they're, like, hitting on twos with a Broodlord and, like... And when you're talking about coming in six inches away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, with Adrenaline Lands, you re you get plus one to your charge. So it's a five-inch charge. <laughs> yeah. And I think he gets a re-rolled charge as well. Okay. So, yeah. It, which is unfortunate because if he didn't have the adrenaline glands, he failed. The, he got a five. Oh, really? And then re-rolled and got a five. He's like, wait a second. And then he checked his list. He's like, oh, yeah, I made that charge. <laughs> like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> so, yeah, um, that hurt a lot. Anyway, so he brought, I'd set up, I post pictures on the Facebook page if you guys want to see, but I set up, like, on a hill on a realm of battle with, like, all the GW terrain just on this hill. Yeah. And, like, this is me, and, like, these are proxy bastions. And unfortunately, because I was afraid of units dying in Bastions, because they die when my Storm Raven goes down, so mm -hmm. wouldn't the whole squad die if it was on a 1 to 3? And didn't put too many in there, so the Firestorm attacks just, like, wrecked house. Yeah. Like, units were brought down, like, one or two guys and stuff like that, or lost half-squad Terminators. Like, just brutal. But I did make good use of Jammers, so it could have been worse. Yeah. But I did not take advantage of the Bastions, and really, you have to in this game. Mm -hmm. And he came in fairly piecemeal, but the problem was, is he had so many big things. Like, Nids has always been an army I've had trouble with, and just, I never have enough There's shooting. a lot going on. There's a lot happening all at the same yeah, time. Yeah, and right? I never bring enough shooting to bear, or I always... My, well, you play a close combat style, and you're going up against an army that's probably better at, than, at close combat than you are. Yeah, fair. And I panic, and I don't concentrate my fire. <laughs> so I split it between, like, six I different... I panic mechanisms. during my game of toy miniatures. Every time, Jason. <laughs> it happened back when I used to play Tyler's Tyranids. It happens against Jordan's Tyranids. It happens against Mike's Tyranids. <laughs> against Greg's Tyranids. Like, just every time... I'm like, that's a big scary thing. That's a flying hive tyrant. That's a giant unit of hormigons. Oh, I... I laugh, but it is true. When you play against Tyranids, I find that it is very overwhelming. There's so much going on that you're like, okay, you really got to focus here on what needs to be taken that, out. That Shadow of the Warp doesn't just affect units, okay? Yeah. It affects players. <laughs> just fucks with your mind. <laughs> and then his Lictor and Gene Stealers ate like three characters, so he used the... Uh, Sucked my brains out, Stratum. They sucked his brains out. It's not what it's called. It's like... No, it is. It's something tentacle. I, I took some white out to his codex. <laughs> no, uh, so when a Lictor or a Gene Sealer unit kills a character in close combat, you uh, use this one-point Stratum, and you gain D3 Stratums. Yeah. Uh, D3 CP, sorry. Yeah. So, which is 
awesome. Like if you're getting back the one that, yeah, you at least getting it back. So there's no point not using it. Mm -hmm. And Jordan would always save one point in case he got to use it. And because he was bringing, you know, they're so close and, I essentially countered his gene stealer assault with a bunch of characters, which took out, took out a lot of gene stealers, but they took out more. <laughs> so end results of the game? I called it at the top of turn, well, halfway through turn three. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even take my third turn. Your third turn, yeah. Just And like I deployed Vindicator outside the walls and it couldn't move and like all this other... Yeah. <laughs> Not a good... It was fun, like, and just that kind of iconic thing. Like, this is literally like a piece of my chapter's history. Yeah. And got to play it out on the table. Like, that was really cool. And I just picked up the Devastation of Ball book by Guy Haley, which is about the Tyranid invasion of Ball. So, okay, yeah. No, I don't know. It was really cool, but I definitely got stomped. But Nids are such a cool army. You just anytime I get to play like, with or against them. Yeah, so, I think everybody loves Nids. How can you not? Yeah, and they're... With their new book, they, I mean, I don't know how they're doing it, like a ITC event or something, but they're definitely competitive. They're not a joke anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So you played Jeff today. I did. Um, so we were talking about the ICI event earlier and how I decided in my second game I was just going to... Take it to him. Take it to somebody and it ended up being Jeff. Yeah. And we were joking, we were texting, I think it was that night or the next day, about how, oh, well, we got to get another game in. Yeah. You know, your Imperial Guard versus my Grey Knights is like a revenge match, right? Mm-hmm. And we won't just play 50 power level. We'll pay, we'll play like 100 or something like that to yeah, yeah, yeah. get the full forces out there, get a real, like, full game in one on one. So you brought 125. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so I needed to get a game in for this, and he more than generously offered, um, to play, I told him straight up too. I was like, "You're playing defender. I need to play attacker. You're bringing 100 power level. This is what we're playing." I was very strict in the rule set, and he was game to just, yeah, okay, yeah, no problem. Jeff's awesome to play against. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, I told him too. I was like, you know, this is a learning game, so I'm gonna be using a lot of the stratagems, even if I feel like maybe they're not necessary to be spending the CP on and stuff. Yeah. I just need to see how they work. Uh, and I was like, it's if you haven't played Planet Strike yet, it's a great way for us to both learn the scenario. We're just gonna have fun. Mm-hmm. Just enjoy learning about this game type. Absolutely. And he was totally down. Uh, and then he texts me uh, late last night being like, oh, hey, by the way, I'm not bringing Imperial Guard. I'm bringing Admech. <laughs> I was like, oh, what? <laughs> no. Um, which is awesome because, like, uh, Admech's one of those armies that I never, like, I only ever play against Admech when I play against Jeff. And mm-hmm. I don't get a chance to play against them that often. Um, it's also worth saying Jeff's Admech are gorgeous. Yeah. Painted. Just amazingly painted. Um, Please, like Jeff, have my babies. <laughs> and then uh, it's also an army that is so different, and everybody talks about this, that it's so different to other armies Yeah, that you don't really know. Like, It's easy to compare one army to another army. Like, This weapon is similar to that weapon. This weapon... Space Wolves do... and Blood Angels. Like... Yeah, what, even Tau to, to other things. Oh, this is a Fusion Blaster. What is that? Oh, it's a, kind of a longer range melting gun. Yeah. Well, I have yeah, plasma yeah. guns as well. I have this. Their weapons are just so different. Mm-hmm. And there's special rules. There's just so many special rules going on all over the place. Yeah. That I kind of just like, I just sit back and just start nodding. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, sure. You're doing this. You're doing that. Okay. Yeah. For the record, that's how I feel when I'm playing against Tau. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm going to use a multi-tracker on my marker light and, uh, you know, 
cyclic on an ironclad, this fusion gun. I'm like, okay, <laughs> you, um, you do you, buddy. Just, I'll sit back here and get tabled. Yeah, so I played um, attacker with my Grey Knights. I had 123 power level. Um, we were playing just the original mission out of the big rule book, yep. so just the original stratagems. Um, I think I had six CP, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I used the two right off the bat to do the um, firestorm, right? the extra D3, because yeah. I knew that that would probably be handy, but I rolled a one on it. Um, so I think I still ended up having uh, five. Yeah, D3, he had two. I think I ended up having five or six firestorm attacks yeah. anyways. Um, and he he spaced, like he didn't create like a central... Uh, base or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, which I was surprised. He really spread everything out across the map, mm-hmm. which um, at first I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Like, I'm going to, you're not really hiding anything. You're not yeah. creating like a fire base. But then once the game came along, I was like, oh, well, I'm Grey Knights. Like, I don't have that high of a model count. And you're really pulling me. Apart. You're spreading my army thin and, across the table. And he's got a lot of long range. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, that was interesting. It was a real bloodbath. Uh, Luckily, right off the bat, I hit two. Uh, he had two onagers. Mm-hmm. Um, I hit two fire strikes on the same point on an onager and the tech priest. Yeah, and it took the tech priest right out, and it did nine mortal wounds to the onager. Mm-hmm. So right off the bat, I'm like, I'm hurting you good. Yeah, and I think I did some damage to. Um, I think I did some damage to a bastion, and I think I did some damage to some uh, castle and robots. Right. So yeah, I didn't do damage um, everywhere, but uh, doing that damage to the Onager mm-hmm. and taking out that Tech Priest was huge. Yeah. So uh, then my reserve rolls went like really well. I think everything came on except for one unit, one Strike Squad unit. Mm-hmm. So right off the bat, I'm just like coming down, uh, took out another Onager. Mm-hmm. I um, like lots of Psychic Powers, got a Vortex of Doom off. Uh, took out the um, the guy that hangs out with the uh, Castlin robots. Yeah, I forget what his name is. He's like um, Jim. Jim. Jim, the <laughs> Castlin robot guy. Yeah. Like I said, those models all have different names, and I'm not. I know Tech Priest. I've learned Tech Priest. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is either. It's the guy who's pointing with the fist, and he's got like a pair of glasses or yeah, something. something like that. Yeah, he can change all their programming and stuff. Yeah. Um, and he had call, and he had call in a bastion with like two other units. Yeah. And I was like, I'm just staying away from that. He's Castellan tech support. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I was like, I'm staying away from that side of the table. I need to take out some of these big things. Um, I brought all my paladins down, and I ended up using that one where you can, that two CP where you can bring in D3 units. Yeah. Because I needed to bring, I talked about it before, I needed to bring all those paladins yeah, in together. Yeah. Brought those down, took out uh, two of the Dragoon, the guys with the long lances. Yeah, the chicken Dragoons. Yeah, I remember yeah. Jordan was watching our game. And Jeff was like, well, these guys are pretty good in close combat. Like, I'm not too worried about the Paladins. And Jordan's just chuckling. He's like, you will be. <laughs> and uh, ended up doing some damage in the uh, psychic phase to them. A little bit of shooting. And then they have five wounds apiece. And I think I took one out. I think it was just one that I ended up charging. Mm-hmm. And I just, right off the table. Yeah, they're, they're good, but they're not tough. Like, they're easy enough to kill. Especially when you're talking about... Grey Knights in close combat. Yeah. Going like first on the charge. I mean, like, honestly, how many units can stand up to Paladins? Yeah. Like, I don't know, Death Shroud, Terminators? Yeah, so I ended like up taking out Mortarian. both um, 
And my Storm Raven came on and started tearing shit up as well. Yeah. Um, and that's when I realized that, because I think it came on, took out one, took out the Onager that only had like three or four wounds left. Right. Took out some troops with its um, uh, hurricane bolters. And I was like, cool, well, I'm like right here next to this bastion. I'm going to pop the Storm Strike missiles and the Multimilta into it. And I did like nothing. Yeah. And I'm like, what? This thing is like impossible. Like I'm wounding on fives with multi meltas. With multi meltas, yeah. I was like, "Wow, this thing is doing n- like these bastions going to be hard to take out." Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, though, uh, I did do like a fair amount of damage. I think we both took out over 500 points of models in like the first turn. First turn, saying, because yeah. then like since I was so spread out, he ended up coming out and doing some heavy damage. Yeah. to a lot of my models afterwards. I think first turn he ended up taking out squad of Terminator, strike squad. And a venerable dreadnought, because um, he unloaded a bunch of electro priests. Didn't know that electro priests get like a three plus invol save when they kill one unit. Um, That's why you gotta flame them. Yeah, when they that, charge your assault squad, and Jeff doesn't realize you have flamers <laughs> in there. That's how you deal with them. Yeah. Um, so those models, I always liked electro priests. I always thought they were pretty cool. I know yeah. in seventh they were like really really garbage. Yeah. So it's cool to see that they got like, a lot of garbage. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's cool to see they got an awesome buff like that because that is one scary unit once they have yeah. uh, that three plus invol. And I kind of like I was playing to that side of the table because Call came out mm-hmm. or is Call right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was like, I don't want anything to do with that guy. I know he's a beast right now. Um, and he had a Calexus Assassin, which is just the bane of Grey Knights. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, well, I'm not going to fight on that side of the table. I'll fight on the other side of the table. And that's why I brought a lot of my units out uh, from reserve. And then he brings out those Electro Priests and they get the 3-plus invol. And it's a 10-man squad, too. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I don't know if I call and they collect this assassin. <laughs> and I made them hike all the way across the table and uh, ended up just hitting them with a bunch of smite just to nice. get past that invol save. But um, for the first, like, two or three turns, I think it was, it was just a bloodbath. It was like my turn would hit, I would take out so much. Yeah, and he would be like, "Oh man, like, I can't believe that much got taken out." His turn would hit; he would take out so yeah. much. Um, I remember you came by on turn two, and you looked at like the table. You are like, "That the dead pile by turn two? Yeah, um, I thought there were like units in bastions or on in reserves or something. Yeah, so it wasn't until uh, maybe the third turn started to swing. Mm-hmm. The fourth turn definitely um, went my way. Yeah, I was just wiping everything off the table. He was just kind yeah. of just hanging on. Uh, ended up picking up. Though. I think fifth turn, he ended up just calling it because yeah. like I got like four models left on the table. He was still doing some damage even right up to that point, though. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he yeah. really knocked down my uh, nemesis dread knight, even with a three plus invol. Yeah, it was really knocking him down to yeah. like four or three wounds or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really good game. Uh, we both use a lot of stratagems, tried to figure stuff out. Yeah, uh, I think he's still figuring out admech in eighth ed. Right, yeah. So, um, yeah, man. But they're not game. an easy army to use. They have a lot of weird rules. Like, they're so different, right? Yeah, and, uh, like, like he ended up forgetting about a lot of chemicals. Yeah, stuff, a lot of his yeah. rules where it's like, oh, man, I had plus one to hit or plus one to save this entire turn. And it's like, well. Like, getting back to at what point we can't Yeah, it's like, okay, like well, we can do it right now. But, like, all those other guys. You can't that, replay that turn. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, which he's cool with and he understands. Oh yeah, for sure. So yeah, uh, great game with Jeff. Yeah, always a great opponent. So for the third game, we played each other. 
Stormguard attacking, Tau defending. Yes, sir. I was uh, really looking forward to this. Mm-hmm. My first game is Tau in 8th Ed. That's true. I, yeah, my second game against Tau in 8th Ed, mm-hmm. one that wasn't all mortal wounds. So, <laughs> so yeah, uh, we've already talked about this game a lot uh, this episode, so I don't think we need to go too much into it. I no, will... I brought a very uh, heavy infantry list. Yeah. Um, it's something I wanted to try. It uh, didn't work out so well because of all the, we talked about before, all the bastions, and like I had a lot of aura affecting yeah. the infantry. Yeah. And I was kind of spread out. I wanted to create like a scene where I was like flooding into the city, but it doesn't, it didn't work so well with like, you got to put everything in the bastions and I didn't because I wanted to make it look a bit more cinematic. Mm-hmm. So I did take some casualties off the bat, but I mean, not you, a ton, but you also had like a lot of suits and stuff that couldn't go in bastions. Yeah. So like you can't put a broadside in the bastions. Uh, technically they can, they're infantry. Shut up, really? There's nothing that says they can't, they're infantry. They are broadsides or infantry? I don't know about broadsides, but uh, crisis Chris. suits are infantry. Well, hot damn. I think they are. I should check that up. Anyways, so, uh, yeah, we had the nice fortress set up and stuff, and my guys came in, so I got a uh, pop that D3 reserve stratagem. Got three units come in, as I mentioned. And they managed to fail all my reserve rolls, except for my captain and my chaplain, who both died. In Jason's first turn. Yeah. Uh, no, they're not infantry, sorry. So yeah. I couldn't have put them in there. Yeah, you shut your mouth. Yeah, exactly. Talking to me. I don't even know if I could have put my, bat, my uh, stealth suits in there, but I did. <laughs> I think they're infantry. Anyways. Anyways. Yeah, you piecemealed it, and because you had both of your characters come down and a unit of Terminators, yeah. it was really easy to get closest unit being the characters. Yeah. Um, I will say this, though, about uh, Blood Angels or Stormguard. I've got a thirst, Jason. Yeah? A red thirst. A red thirst? Yeah, you ended up using the... It's been teased, what the red thirst... Uh, uh, like the army ability for Blood yeah. Angels. So plus one to wound, and essentially in the first round, if you charge or you charge. Oh, man. <laughs> so lightning claws hitting on threes against T4 models. Yeah. You know, wounding bastions on fives with tactical marines. You know, assault marines charging crute and wounding them on twos. Yeah, these, these are all these are all some of my favorite. Don't things. be impressed about taking crute out easily. Y- you know what? I'll take what <laughs> I can get. They avenged the scouts, okay? Because the crew gunned down the scouts. Yeah, the crew did some work to the scouts. The infamous scouts. I ended up taking a. Uh, I wanted to try a bunch of stuff now too. Yeah. This is the first time I'm playing Tau. Um, ended up taking a shaper, yeah, crute, and he lets them reroll ones to wound. I gives a few other buffs too, but um, that's the main one. And I think it gives increases their leadership too, or something. Uh, mm-hmm. Not by much, I don't think, but two. I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, you're probably not taking a leadership check with uh, with crude anyways. Yeah, they're right. If they're dying, they're probably all. If like they're toughness three, they've what like a six up save yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. But I, I don't know. They're cheap. I. I like Crute. They're a really cool, iconic race. Yeah, and that's why I wanted to take some, because we're yeah. playing a narrative game. I want to make it fluffy. Uh, I picked up some Vespid, for which oh, I'm probably going right. to end up using in the City Fight yeah. game. I forgot you picked up those. Yeah, yeah. so nice. I'm pumped to use those, because their gun is pretty awesome. Yeah. I'm excited to play City Fight. Yeah. That'll be fun. Um, yeah, the, it seemed like uh, in our game that you were going to... that I was going to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then more stuff ended up coming in, and I just couldn't handle it. Yeah, it just, I, I mean, 
I had some pretty unlucky dice rolls. Uh, marker lights aren't what they used to be, and you took out most of my marker lights right and off the bat. Firestorm attacks. Yeah, because, yeah. like we've been saying, you got to put stuff in bastions, and, well, drones can't go in bastions. Yeah, I think we should have allowed them to, to be honest. They're not infantry. They can't. Yeah, they're kind of infantry. <laughs> they look... Okay, well, in that case, I'm all put my suits in there, too. Yeah. Well, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I want plus one initiative on the charge, but yeah. we can't have what we want. I mean, I guess that plus one initiative wouldn't do it. Anyways, <laughs> um, Blood Angels, I mean, I used one ability from the new codex that, you know, there's tons of stuff coming out, but they felt good to use. Yeah, the preview for them looks pretty scary. Yeah, just that one Red Thirst ability. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're playing against Tau. You're going to crush me in close combat anyways. Yeah, but even... Yeah. Oh, fair enough. I was uh, a fan. Uh, it's the first time that I've been able to use units that fly. That kind of like... You mm. have my Crisis suits locked up. You didn't finish them off. They came out. They had fusion blasters. They yeah. hit you back. And that's how I was able to kill your Warlord. Yeah, that's right. Um, so that was pretty cool. Uh, my list definitely wasn't very strong. Yeah, I think if you're running an infantry heavy list, you need to bring full squads. I kind of feel... Yeah, well, I needed to save the points to get the brigade. I was running a brigade. Yeah. I had 12 CP. Yeah, um, and you were saying, is it worth full squads versus so many, eh, so, like tons of command points? Yeah, which in turn, yeah, I don't... Maybe, maybe not. Maybe once the codex comes out, we'll see when there's more stratagems. You can see what you're able to use with true, them. true, yeah. Um, but yeah, I used a lot of command points that game because I was getting them back too and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of unlucky dice rolls as well when it came to shooting. Where I would shoot like four fusion blasters at you, and I didn't hit a single one. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I shot a lot of reserves and didn't hit with those either. Yeah, well, they ended up coming in and winning the game. So yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> <laughs> My fusion blasters just ended up dying. <laughs> uh, favorite moment of the game? Huh? <laughs> Gunning down your warlord? <laughs> uh, no, it's a theme. Yeah, in my games. I really like the crew, uh, like, unloading from that building and just taking out that squad of scouts. Yeah. I mean, you, you rolled horribly. I think it was 11 wounds and you... Saved two. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Like, it shouldn't have happened, but, like, cinematically, it's like these scouts come in and all of a sudden mm-hmm. these crew just unload from this building. They probably just, like... Like, they're probably just covered in blood. They probably just ripped apart everyone that was in that building. Yeah. Come out and just gun down your unit and then, in turn, get... Charged by the assault marines. Charged by the assault marines which taken out themselves. But, like, they did their... Their point. It was yeah. a sixty-point unit. Yeah, those. Or sixty points. It ended up being what I think it's. Uh, I think it's a five power level with the shaper and the crew. Those scouts were like ten or eleven. Yeah. Without a character. So there you go. Yeah, <laughs> they 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 made up for it. I think my favorite part was charging those crew with the assault marines and wiping them and wiping them out. <laughs> um, we did end up using some. Uh, custom units. Custom units. Yeah. yeah. Um, one thing that I talked about before mm-hmm. was like ethereal guard. I really yeah. wanted like honor guard, um, more like specialized fire warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, so we ended up making, or you ended up making a data sheet for them. Uh, it's basically yeah. the exact same stat line of a fire warrior. I know you were talking about having them bliss skill three. Yeah. But I was like, no, no, no. Tau or is either bliss skill four or bliss skill two. There's no... Yeah. I mean, Blitz Skill 5 if you're a drone, but, like... The, it's the same stat line as a Sashu, Sashai? Sashui. Sure. A sergeant. <laughs> yeah, Sashui, yeah. yeah. So they have inexplic- 
they kind of inexplicably two attacks and a higher leadership, but like, yeah. they're veterans. Uh, the only difference is they have their gun is a pulse carbine with minus one AP. Yeah, which originally was a pulse rifle, but I th- I'm, I'm going to modify the data sheet so it's one or the other. Yeah, and okay. switch it out. Uh-huh. I just felt like having a short range weapon made more sense for being a bodyguard because they have the sworn protector rule for ethereals, mm-hmm. where if an ethereal takes a wound on a two plus, they can take the mortal wound yeah. instead. Um, I know drones do, can do that for characters. But uh, and so can no, not characters just for any unit. Crisis bodyguards, as crisis well. bodyguards can do it as well. But I felt like, well, I would like there should be an elite fire warrior unit. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. And I'm going to be making some custom models for that too. That when I get that all done, we'll take some photos and put them up. Yeah. Now the other one that we did was, um, I believe it's pronounced Gesova. Yeah. And that's uh, Imperial Guardsmen. I think it's pronounced Traitor Bastards. Yeah. <laughs> It's guardsmen that have uh, converted over to the greater good. Yeah. Um, really, really fluffy. Used to be a uh, Forge World unit. Yeah, you were saying that. So I looked at, I found that old Forge World um, unit. Mm-hmm. Kind of played around with it a little bit. I made it uh, two power level, which I believe is the same as an infantry squad. I'd have to check. I don't know offhand. Um it's a 12-man unit instead of a 10-man unit, mm-hmm. which I think is what infantry squads are now. But back in 7th, it was a 12-man unit for that unit. For Gusavar. Yeah. Gusavi uh, or whatever they're called. So I kept it like that. They can't take... There's no sergeant. Mm-hmm. They can't take any uh, special weapon. Yeah. They don't benefit from the um, the shared Overwatch. Oh. Yeah, they don't benefit from I that. I think you used it at some nope. point. Uh, they oh. don't benefit from that, but they benefit from... They are a Tau faction. Yeah. So they benefit from things that Tau faction can benefit from. Oh, yeah, like the Ethereal. Like the Ethereal. Right. I oh, used, I used, I used, used yeah. Onvaz reroll morale. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. he benefits anyone part of the Tau faction. Right. Tau Empire yeah. gets that. Um, also, all Imperium models get reroll once to hit against them. Yeah. Which I don't think you ever use. No, I've completely... I tried to lot. remind you a few times yeah. about it, but... Uh, I don't think it would have made because they used to have no probably not they used to have um, hatred uh, no not hatred um, preferred, preferred enemy, enemy okay. against like all Imperium models had preferred enemy against mm-hmm. them so I wanted to keep something similar like that so I feel like it's a fair trade off like a 12 man unit no special weapons no heavy weapons no sergeant uh, for two power level mm-hmm. it's a fluffy unit oh yeah they're really not that great it's just a bunch of las guns well I mean even if you're even if it was a, you know, a match play unit, that's dirt cheap chaff. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, when you're talking about a three man fire war unit for three power level, and then you're talking about a twelve man, a three man, f- sorry, a five man fire war unit, fire war yeah. unit for three power level, and mm-hmm. then you talk about a twelve man guardsman, just really stock for yeah. two power level. Yeah, it's good chaff. It's good. I, l- I like that it's twelve too. Yeah. Because Tau only have four fingers, so they count in increments of 12, mm-hmm. instead of, or in, in increments of four instead of five. Yeah, yeah, Which, yeah. No, I like it. Uh, I didn't get a chance to use them too much this game. They were kind of off in a part of the battle that didn't really... It wasn't a lot of action. Yeah. yeah uh, but I'll probably end up using them throughout the campaign a little bit more, mm-hmm. seeing how they go. You could even expand it to, like, you know, then take weapon teams or something. Uh, maybe. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, we'll bring, we can... Play around with it was stuff. easy to do this one because it was just based off of like an old unit that I'm yeah. not really changing too much about. Yeah, 
But, I mean, you uh, could always pull a few other units out. But yeah, there. we'll get the data slate for that one up too, yep. so people can see the get your opinions mm-hmm. on that. And I don't think either one was too broken. I think they both played pretty well to what their no, power levels are. Yeah, I didn't feel like either one was like yeah. minus one AP is good, but it's not game breaking. It's, it's only a four man unit. Yeah, well, so, four to twelve. Yeah, but yeah, I only took the four. <laughs> yeah, I think you, if you limit it to like one unit per army, we make that change. So. We've talked about the games that we've played. Yeah. Let's talk about kind of tactics and what we've learned. We've really talked about tactics as we've talked about these games. But what's the the big takeaways from playing these Planet Strike games? Or this Planet Strike, this Planet Fall game? Uh, put your stuff in Bastions. <laughs> if you haven't, that should be the name of this episode. Put your stuff in Bastions. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that is the big thing too. I mean, the more Bastions you put out, the more Fire Strike attacks you're giving your opponent you for sure but the more stuff that's surviving those firestorm yeah, attacks. yeah those bashes are so hard to kill too yeah i think um keeping a calm head about the casualties you're taking mm-hmm. is also pretty big too yeah because you're gonna get your chance to attack back most likely yeah i mean unless he gets that alpha strike just out on you and you didn't deploy well yeah. and everything you should get to counterattack. And it seems to me that what I found is every counterattack that you get, you're going to do a lot of damage as well. I think the other thing is like, it's not just the firestorm attack that makes it hard for the defender. It's that six inch deep strike. Yeah. I think that's really the biggest thing. And it's really important if you're to the defender to have chaff. That's something I didn't have versus Jordan. There's ways to mitigate that firestorm attack. Something we didn't... I don't know if we talked about this, but if a firestorm attack hits an infantry, you can put... Say they're going to ground, they only take D3 instead of D6. That's true. I don't think we talked about that. Yeah, so... We didn't use it either. But if you have, like, you know, a big crew model or line out behind Aegis defense line, all right, they're going to ground, they're going to ground, they're going to ground, they're only losing a few guys here and there, and then... You've got that bubble around your gun line yeah. that I need to cross before I can engage you. Yeah, yeah. So that hampers that first turn charge, mm-hmm. right? So that's stuff to be thinking about. Like when I play Chaos, I have Cultists as my chaff. Yeah. When I play Stormguard, I don't have anything. Like I don't. This I don't know. I don't use. I don't have enough scouts to do that, or I don't want to use scouts. Like yeah, that, yeah. So. Um, Deployment's a huge thing. Like, as the defender, you get to set the map up. Yeah. Uh, I set the map, because we're playing a campaign, mm-hmm. I set the map up very narratively to how the story's going to go. I think it worked. Like, it, it did work. Yeah. I definitely could have set up way more defensively. True, yeah. Right? I could have picked a corner and set up in a corner. Instead of two corners. Yeah. And the other thing that I was kind of questioning was, do you think that our, like, the difference in power level was too much? Yeah, um... I mean, at the end of the day, it's only 20 to 25. Yeah, that's, points-wise, that's like 500 extra points for the attacker. Yeah. I think 100... Versus free fortifications. Well, the, uh, in theory, the free fortifications are accounted for in the mission creation. Yeah. So I think maybe 10 power level difference instead of 20 mm-hmm. would be better. Well, maybe when we go back and play some of the other Planet Strike missions for review, we'll yeah. lower the the power level mm-hmm. to see how that affects yeah um, the difference yeah. for, compared to like the uphill battle that the defenders yeah. clearly have to make in this game. I th- I could see this being a really fun team game. 
to mm-hmm. play. Yeah. Like, each player brings, like, a, I don't know, 100 power level or 75 power level yeah. to the game. And then... It'd be cool out. to link this type of game with a Death from the Skies type of game. Interesting. That's affecting the way reserves are coming in or something yeah. like that. Death from the Skies is definitely one I want to try. Mm-hmm. Like it was completely laughed off in 7th Ed by most of the community, I feel like. But yeah. I, I mean, I would have liked to have played it at least once. But the dogfighting thing was a little complex. Well, yeah, it was like a side game to an yeah. already complex game. The, yeah, but the missions looked really cool. Yeah. But yeah. now it seems even more interesting, and especially the Blood Angels can get the interceptors and well, stuff. I guess we're just going to have to review Death, <laughs> Death from, from the, the Skies. skies. But, so overall impression of Planet Strike? Um, fun. It takes... You need to have a very specific mindset going into it, and... It's not something I'd want to play regularly. Mm-hmm. Like Cities of Death and f- that I'm I really enjoy yeah. and would like to play it, you know, every like month or I'd be fine playing that every month or every two months. But Planet Strike that's like once or twice a year. I feel like if you're playing a campaign, mm-hmm. you're playing a narrative campaign, Planet Strike is great for narrative. Yeah. Because it feels so one-sided. And if you want the campaign to go a certain way, and you feel like this mission should go in the way of a certain army, like the attacker, yeah, this is a great mission to play. Like the defender, you're going to have to work for it, right? Yeah, true. The, the odds are against you, as they should be in this storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's the chance that you could win it. Yeah, true. Uh, Same thing. It's not a mission that I want to play all the time, because it is very, like... Like one sided, it doesn't feel very even. Mm-hmm. Where, like you said, like cities of death, it feels more even. It's, there's a shared objective almost, right? The rules affect both players equally. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I enjoy it. Yeah, it's no, just it's I, another narrative game where it was like a lot of fun to tell yeah. this story that was going on. Yeah. No, I. I mean, I'm happy to play it again. Like I think the only other time I played Planet Strike was against my old roommate, where he played Slanesh Demons, and just like did horrible things that slash <laughs> demons would do to you. Yeah. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> right on. Okay, well, uh, I guess that's it for our main topic tonight. Yeah, hope uh, you enjoyed. We'll take a quick break and come back with Beyond the Rim. All right. All right, and our final segment for today, the usual, the classic, Beyond the Rim. Dun, dun, dun. So this is where we're going to talk about stuff that's non- uh, non 40k yeah. yeah still games workshop stuff sometimes but yeah. uh stuff that we're playing outside of 40k yeah so what have you been rocking lately dude so i've been kicking it old school with star wars knights of the old republic 2 the <laughs> sith lords right on how are you finding that i okay so i remember the first game i remember the story pretty well and the yep. big twists and turns i don't remember the second game okay like i have images but i don't know how the story goes yeah, and yeah. stuff and I don't think I appreciated it when I was younger. Now I'm like, okay, this is pretty convoluted and maybe just thrown together to cash in on the popularity of the first game. But like, I like the story a lot more. Yeah, I remember the story being pretty good. The gameplay being pretty... It was a game that I think I actually played twice. Like, I played yeah. it, and then like a few months later, I was like, you know what, I kind of want to play it again, but play it this way. And I did play yeah. it again. Uh, it was at a time when I was playing a lot of video games. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the problem with... Any uh, with a lot of those Star Wars games, they have a really heavy morality con- uh, morality aspect. Yeah, 
And I always tend to be more like neutral or chaos neutral or neutral good. Not neutral good. That doesn't make or I always was just like hardcore dark neutral. side. Yeah. I, Which is I, why I think I went back and played and wanted to be light side. Yeah. Like I, I play it and I'm like, I kind of play myself, which yeah. I like think I'm a good person, but you know, sometimes the yeah, ends I play myself too. the means. Total asshole. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, I, I don't know. I, I kind of play it like sometimes you're good and sometimes you just want to punish someone. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, that you broke the law. So I'm going to let the queen decide how you die. Yeah. So, um, I just, uh, those Knights of the Republic games are a little slow. How's the loading now? It's almost non-existent. Oh, okay. So because that was like that, a ten-year-old game on my rig. well, that was the problem back in the yeah. day. And I had the, I think we talked about this a few months ago. Um, I downloaded the original Knights of the Republic on my iPad, right? And it is so slow still. Yeah, that it's just like it's not even fun. Like the combat's slow, the loading is slow. But maybe that's just because it's on iPad. Yeah, I mean the combat can be tough, and sometimes getting through the dialogue can be tedious. But the loading times are almost non-existent. Mm-hmm. Because it's a ten-year-old game on a decent gaming rig. Yeah, maybe yeah. not de- not even a decent gaming rig, a four-year-old gaming rig. But yeah, I'm plugging my way through that. I enjoy it, and it was like five bucks. I picked it up on sale. So you so I might have even be a little more less than that. So it's gonna hold you over till the fifteenth. Yeah. Oh god, I can't <laughs> wait. What about you? So uh, while we're talking about video games, mm-hmm. I decided that for Christmas I wanted to get a Switch. Yeah. And I knew that no one in my family... Like a Switchblade? A Switchblade and a Nintendo yeah. Switch. Um, Nintendo Switchblade? And I knew that nobody in my family would, like, think about getting me yeah. something like that. So I just told everyone, I was like, hey, guys, this is kind of what I want for Christmas. Mm-hmm. If you just want to give me money for Christmas, I'm going to go out and buy it. Yeah. So I've gone out and bought it, but I'm not opening it until Christmas because <laughs> everyone's giving me money for it, right? So yeah. I bought it. I came to my mom's, and I was just like, here, take it from me. Just take it from me. Wrap it, and I'll see it on Christmas Day, because if I, if I get left with it, I'm opening it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I picked that up with Skyrim, and I've just heard nothing but great things about the Switch. I know everyone kind of, like, cringes when you think of a Nintendo system nowadays, just because yeah. <laughs> for the last 10 years, it just hasn't been good, has not yeah. been good. Um, but, like, all the games that are coming out for Switch right now are just really good. Mm-hmm. The graphics are good. Uh, it's a handheld system that's 720p. Yeah. Right. Uh, which is what I've been looking for a handheld system. A lot, I'm doing a lot more traveling right now uh, where I can't bring my Xbox or I can't bring painting with me. Mm-hmm. So to have a handheld system that runs like that yeah. is great. Uh, so I picked up Skyrim because that's just like endless hours of gameplay. Mm-hmm. I played it when it first came out, yeah. beat the main storyline. and remember beating the main storyline being like, oh, wow, I beat that main storyline pretty fast. But I didn't do a lot of like the side quests yeah. or anything like that. So I'm excited to just like really get into that game. There, well, I mean, there's all the, like, different guilds and, like, yeah, the, exactly, Dark right? Brotherhood and, like, there's a random headless horseman who runs around the map. Oh, really? Yeah, I just <laughs> found him one day. And, oh, like, sweet. followed him. <laughs> I don't even think there's a quest associated with him. He's just there. He's just there wondering. Yeah. Cool, yeah. No, exactly. I'm just so pumped to get into that. Yeah. And uh, I'm also being told that I'm getting the new Zelda game. Nice. Which is just supposed to be breathtaking. Yeah. So I'm pumped for that. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, I guess next month. I'll be talking to you about all the Switch that I've been playing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what else have you been rocking? So just yesterday I picked up Genesis, which is the... We've talked about Edge of the Empire on the show, and mm-hmm. uh, that's the Star Wars Fantasy Flight Games role-playing system with like really cool narrative dice. And they took that, 
and made it generic so you can use it for a fantasy game or a steampunk game yeah. or literally anything. So it's the exact same like dice system? Uh, yes. Oh, okay. It's the skills and the characteristics are all the same. They've introduced a few more. There there's no like learning curve if you know how to play edge. It's oh, right exactly on. the same. Cool. There's the des- there's no force die, so the destiny pools handled slightly differently. You posted but, a photo of the cover yeah. on the wrong side page, right? Yeah, yeah. And I noticed at the bottom it's like a what is it? It's like a system for any setting or yeah. something like that. Which is great. That's so cool. You can apply it to any role playing game you want, like any role playing situation you want, yeah. right? So they use the examples in the book are all like fantasy flight IPs that yeah. they have. But I'll I'll throw out a few. So my friend Vio really wants to play a Windsor role-playing game. And what he means by this is, let's see if you get out of bed, roll me a discipline <laughs> check. Oh, you got some strains. You're going to miss breakfast and take two strains. Yeah. And I, was, I wrote out this like three-paragraph thing over Facebook chat, just making fun of it. I actually felt really bad afterwards and <laughs> apologized. Yeah. So I'm like, man, I'm mean. Like, this is dickish. <laughs> But then he said, like, I don't know if you're joking, but I, this sounds amazing. Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> so I sent, and I started sending him ideas. Like, here's how you can make it interesting. Like, take Windsor, take themes, and build on them. So a couple of ideas that came off the top of my head. Do a Android setting, which is like a cyberpunk setting, in Windsor based on the history with the Underground Railroad. Yeah. So instead of people of color, you're sneaking out of the United States. You're sneaking clones out. Yeah, that's kind of cool, yeah. Um. Manny Maroon, who's a billionaire who owns, like, the bridge crossing in yeah. Windsor. It's, like, this constant battle of Manny Maroon versus the people. Yeah. So instead of building a second bridge, he's now building a mech army, and you have to fight a guerrilla warfare as he invades <laughs> Canada. Um, any rum-running setting. Yeah. Take the, or the strike of 1945, where they, like, shut down, this, where workers shut down the city. Take that, but steampunk instead of cars. Hey, man, if he wants to role-play life, you just carry a set of that dice around and make a check whenever he wants to. Do I get out of bed? No. Well, I guess I'm not going into work today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got fired. Gotta, <laughs> gotta work up that resume. Exactly. <laughs> oh, guess I'm not applying for jobs today. Uh, so, anything else? Uh, yeah, I bought Dying Light as part of the Black Friday sale on Steam. Or Sweet. Something. I've heard great things about it. Oh, my God. It scratches so many itches for me. It's like open world, climbing around buildings, and like crafting and zombies. Hmm. And you play cooperative with a friend. It's me and my buddy Daryl, who's also in Win- also from Windsor. Yeah. Like games is a way I stay in touch with people outside of the city I'm living in. Like I used to stay in touch with you occasionally by playing like Xbox Live. Yeah. And stuff, and now I'm keeping in touch with some of those guys by playing games on the computer. Yeah. So it's just like a free running parkour zombie survival game. Yeah, I've heard that it's uh, really cinematic, that it really captures that like zombie movie feel. Yeah, it's if you played Far Cry, it feels a lot like that. Oh, cool. But the gameplay is kind of DayZ ish, like survival. Yeah. And the running around is like Mirror's Edge first person parkour. Oh, cool. Sweet. So. I love it because it's all those games I love. Mm-hmm. So Awesome. Yeah. Anything else for you? So today I had about an hour before my game with Jeff. Mm-hmm. And uh, Games Workshop had just opened. And I'm kind of like, I didn't bring any painting stuff because I had to bring two armies with me. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, what can I do that's new? Because I've had a lot of time to game. What can I do that's new that I haven't tried yet? 
And yeah. I know that everyone's playing this Shade Spire game. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I didn't get a chance to play it when the demo was here last time. Yeah. So Jordan was there, and I was like, Jordan, hey, you want to show me Shade Spire? Like, just run a demo game with me? He's like, definitely. <laughs> uh, so we busted out. Uh, they had their demo copy still at mm-hmm. the store. Uh, so we tried that out. I played Corn. He played Stormcast. Yeah. Um, we played Open Hands because like okay. I didn't. I needed to know kind of how the game That's would work. Idea. Like, yeah. how does this work? When do I use that? I'm not messing up or yeah, anything yeah. like that. Um, didn't expect a win or anything like that, and I didn't. Uh, ended up yeah. killing one person. I got I got one kill. <laughs> well, that's a third of his force. Exactly, yeah. Cast. Um, and I was just blown away by this game. Everyone was saying how much fun it was. And I don't know, maybe I'm just still kind of bitter at my experience from Age of Sigmar. It's fair. But I'm just like, <laughs> fucking fantasy. How could this game be fun? Yeah. No, this game is a lot of fun. I love the fact that at first glance you see models and you're like, oh, this is a model game. It's a model fighting game. Mm. This is, what was that? Uh, blood gore, gore chosen. Oh, uh, gore chosen. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is just a game like that with multiple factions. Have Not at all. I haven't. Chosen? But it doesn't seem like either it's have like I. That. I no. We shouldn't judge it. No, it, maybe it's amazing. No, no. Maybe but I figured, I figured it's just another type of game like that, yeah, where yeah. it's just an arena fighting game. And I re- and then I asked him, I was like, oh, so like, like these are just the five models that you get. It's like, uh, are like, how do you build your army? He's like, no, no, no. You always take these five models or these three models or mm-hmm. like whatever comes in the kit. That's what your list always is. And I was like, oh, so this isn't a model game. This is a deck building game. It is, yeah. And I love that. It's like you can take these five models and build them in so many different ways. And by building, it means building your deck. Mm-hmm. Um, the buy-in is super cheap. I mean, you need to buy the starter set from what I've understood. You need all the tokens. Um yeah. You need the dice. I mean, you can buy the dice separately. Well, I, I was considering just getting the skeleton box and a pack of dice and just playing with other people's boards. But uh, I apparently the abilities that come in the core set you kind of need yeah, to, exactly. yeah, to be able to play. From what I understand, what you, you can get by, too. but you're not going to win. With that being said, you can buy the core set and the skeleton pack for like 100 bucks. Yeah. Which is the price of a lot of board games that GW brings out. Yeah, and a lot of decent higher end board games are around a hundred bucks. Yeah, like Star Wars Rebellions. About now, 100. with that being said, um, you're saying that oh well, I'll only buy the starter set and the skeleton set, mm-hmm. but each set that comes out has cards that you want to buy that you want to add to your yeah. deck to build. It's a lot like X Wing. Yeah, and they're cashing in on that. You want to always buy every expansion that comes out. Yeah. Because there's, even though you don't feel like playing as orcs, you don't feel like playing as Skaven, there's a few cards in there that will still be handy towards your deck, towards your army. I don't know, Jay. Does anyone not want to play as Skaven? Right. <laughs> um, they Those come, sca- out, they have come you out seen in the, the new year. Yeah, yeah they're have all you seen the models? Yeah. yeah, I have. Yeah, they're really Ooh, cool. Yeah. Uh, I, like, I see the skeleton set, and I'm like, that sounds like a great way to play. I would love playing that army. Yeah. But apparently everyone's playing that army, so. Yeah, well. Uh, but I'm pretty pumped. They're going to have a tournament at GW in January. Then I'm kind of like, ooh, maybe after Christmas I'll buy that. And it's just like yeah. a few models to paint up. So uh, that's a nice easy project you could get done in a weekend. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I'm, like, I'm thinking, yeah, that might be something that I'm yeah. interested bone in getting is, into. Maybe I'm just not, maybe I don't paint bone very well, but I find if you're doing like a, a skeleton, it's yeah. fairly quick to paint up if you're doing like a fairly dirty 
skeleton. Yeah. Just dry brush some Yashabi bone, screaming skull, and yeah, we'll see. Either way, Uh, I think it is something I'm going to get into in the new year. So we'll probably be talking more about that. I I almost bought it just as a board game to play with friends, not even like people I play Warhammer with. But I kind of held off. Yeah, with a few of the um, the other games that are coming out, like Necromunda has come out, and there's all these like smaller games. I don't know. I don't know if I feel like making the investment into Necromunda. I don't know if I feel like continuing to like to remake an investment into Blood Bowl. This Shadespire seems like a game that a lot of people are playing and people are going to continue playing because yeah. it's so fast to sit down. Like there's all these like specialty games and all these like side games from from the main games workshop games. Mm-hmm. But they take a while to play. Yeah. Whereas like Shades, Blood Bowl takes like a good two. Yeah, two exactly. Half. Right? Yeah. It's a small game. It does, the, the buy-in isn't that much, but it's still a commitment to sit down and play a Blood Bowl game. Yeah. Shadespire is like, cool, you got half an hour? Let's play. Yeah. I mean, I know uh, Jordan was explaining to me that a lot of tournament games is best of three. Oh, interesting. Um, but with I that think being said... With like Magic the Gathering. Yeah, but with that, yeah. with that being said, you don't have to. Yeah. You can just sit down and play one game, yeah. right? Uh, which is nice and fast, because it's only three turns, which is so cool. No, it's four turns. No, it is three turns. Yeah. Sorry, you have four activations. Yeah, turn. four activations yeah. and three turns. So the game is fast. Like It makes you... It makes you play. Yeah. And it makes I you f- get in there. And I figure once you know the rules and both players are comfortable. Once you, faster. Especially once you understand your army. Yeah. What you're trying to achieve with your deck. Yeah, yeah. You understand, like, our game took a little bit longer because I'm, like, looking at all my cards. Okay, how does this work with that? Exactly, what am I supposed yeah. to be trying to do right now? Oh, these objectives don't seem pretty good. But when you're building your deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it seems like a lot of fun. I can't wait to play more of it. Yeah. Necromunda, I'm, it's been tempting, especially because I would use those models for like Chaos Cultists yeah. but, or Renegade Guard or something. But I think I'm going to wait till I'm at that stage with that army to bring them in. Man, with all the way the specialty games seem like they're coming out, I really wouldn't doubt if you see like Inquisitor 28 or 32 come out or something like that. I'd be surprised if they bring back Inquisitor just because it didn't really... I could see them doing an Inquisitor-like game at 28 mil. I really want to see Battlefleet Gothic. Yeah. I'd like to see it too. To incorporate space battles into campaigns. Yeah. I mean, I think, I feel like when you talk about Battlefleet Gothic, you're talking about a whole model range of models that you don't really make any. I mean, they still have them all, I guess, that they could just reprint, recreate. Yeah, but they... same from Blood Bowl, they've made a remade a model. Yeah, range. but with Inquisitor, make eight models in a box set with a rule book. Yeah, okay. That's and fair. in the rule book, just have a bunch of conversion ideas. Hey, look at this! Like, look at the guardsman. Look at the uh, Ashram Militarum Codex. Yeah, where it shows you, hey, if you take this kit and this kit, you can create this. Give people ideas of kit bashing. You're selling all these different box sets for people to kit yeah. bash. And you don't have to recreate that, any models. That'd be true, actually. You just release a one box with eight, eight ten, guys, eight, four on four. Yeah, eight guys, highly customizable. They all look very different. Like have an Arbites guy in there, an yeah. Inquisitor with a trench coat, Inquisitor and power armor. I, I'm trying to think, like a, a mutant or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, and then have them not monopose, like very customizable, lots of weapon options, yeah. and then compatible or convertible with the rest of most of the rest of the range. Exactly. Yeah. That, and yeah, and you just do one, you know, yeah. Yep. What we <laughs> wish for, <laughs> but yeah, Battlefleet Gothic. Yeah. Uh, I think that's it for me though, Ben. Yeah. 
All right, so I've been Ian. And I'm Jason. And we'll see you on the wrong side of the maelstrom. All right, we're back, and we're going to talk about our Apocalypse games and some tactics that we employed. How about we start that over, because we're not playing Apocalypse. Maybe I just want to play Apocalypse, Jay. I know you do. I know, I always do. All right, we're now going to talk about our Planet Strike games and tactics we employed in Planet Strike, and definitely not Apocalypse. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs)